Hello and welcome to the Modern Reformer podcast. The mission of the Modern Reformer is the edification of the saints through the recovery of the historic faith. I'm your host, Mitchell Roten, joined by my co-host and brother, Avery Roten. Ahoy. I said it. <laughs> Ahoy. I said it. We have here our, by it. pretty much our new member at the end of the day of the Modern Reformer podcast, Nathan Skeens. Hello. He heard the Sabbath was coming up, and he had to jump in on it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the Sabbath is actually next episode, Mitch. Right, but, I mean, it's, it's leading up. We're doing a little prep work. Oh, today is our, our day to prepare, you know, exactly. to get ready. It's the prep work for Sabbath. 4.7 and 8. Hmm. Jump, you want to jump in and talk about the year Jubilee? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to get technical here, we're on... Chapter twenty two of religious worship and the Sabbath day. So Correct. we're doing religious worship first. That's that's always a good. Then the Sabbath day next episode. <clears throat> it's always a good plan to have. Get into all of it. <laughs> yeah, there are eight. Count them eight points. It's a lot of points. A lot of points. A lot of scriptures. That's more points than Calvinism, actually. <laughs> that is. Well. Depends. Calvinism <laughs> only has five, right? I mean, that, that, that's all it Calvinism depends. is, right? Ain't there yeah. seven points in hyper-Calvinism? Yeah. yeah. Equal <laughs> ultimacy and uh, something else. I can't remember. There's two extras that we don't like. Yeah. 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 By we, I mean, but definitely me. I don't know about you. Yeah, no. No, no you, it's a corporate we there. <laughs> Glad you said The that. royal we. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, religious worship. What's meant by that, you think? <laughs> What? I would imagine it means imagine mean that worship. we worship <laughs> religiously. <laughs> religiously yeah. uh, I think what, they're, me say, what okay. they're trying to communicate in these first six points is that they're spiritual and not religious. <laughs> that's, 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 that's why I brought it that's up. What, because, I mean, they're saying, hey guys, don't call it a religion because that's just rules. Call it spiritual because then, then we don't we have to define have anything. Unwritten rules of emotionalism. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We don't have to find anything, and then God's not transcendent. He's you know he's your next door neighbor at that point. So, mm. well, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, <laughs> when we're talking about religious worship. Religious in this context means regular ordered worship. Amen. Rather than just like you said, spiritual. You got your crystals and your incense <laughs> and your you know. Well, you got your, your pope all the way down to your priest. So that's right. Yeah. I mean, technically, that would be religious worship. It's just false religious worship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. No, right? You can, you can have religious worship and it be completely illegitimate. Wrong. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it would be distinguished in this situation from the I'm spiritual, not religious. You know, I worship God my own way, however <laughs> I want, out in the woods, you know, dancing or. <laughs> I made it up. Me alone. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel. How many times? I had a conversation with a guy once. He said. <clears throat> I don't really want to go to church anymore. And I said, why? He said, I just feel closer to God when I'm out on a mountaintop with a beer listening to Johnny Cash. And I said, your feelings are incorrect. Did you say your emotions are, are disordered, my friend? Yes, I did. That's exactly what I said. I said, I feel a lot of things that are completely not um, objectively true. So, yeah. You know, it's like it's kind of like that, uh, that meme that used to go around. Maybe it still does where it's like, you know, I'd rather be in a like a boat. Fishing, thinking oh about gosh. God, yeah. Then sitting in a in a church, thinking about fishing. And like, well, how about you just think about God when you're in the church? How about that? How about we just do what He commands and not go fishing? You know what I mean? That's probably the best meme there. Yeah, I've heard. I, you know, I'm glad you said that. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that now. Mm-hmm. 
feel like that's a that's like a gate city scott county motto like, i feel like you know, it is i feel yeah. like you know that when you when you get yeah. around here like there's a lot of people that have that kind of mentality yeah, i agree with that to, here here to to be generous okay <clears throat> i don't know that anybody that does have that mentality to frame it this way i think i think but what they really mean is i worship god in spirit and i don't have to be gathered to do it mm-hmm. there's some form of truth in that obviously the confession would also say that yes that's a a, a part, a type of worship, um, but no, not not the corporate worship we're commanded to keep. Yeah, that's a very generous. Thing. That's very generous. Yeah. <laughs> so I think really the most yeah. disingenuous or, or, or non-generous way is that they just are unregenerate and they don't like God. Yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. don't. So yeah, they don't enjoy the things that He calls them. To. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. I just I'm, I'm curious how much you were actually really thinking about God when you're fishing <laughs> on a Sunday morning. You know, they're like, I'm, I'm communing with God out here on this bass boat. I mean, you know, that, by that's, communion with God, they meant an emotional feeling. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not really, you know, it's not really grounded in anything. It doesn't have actual. Yeah. Really, they're just worshiping themselves because I mean, oh, it's yeah. whatever they think God mm-hmm. is. Which yeah. I mean, you're not going to learn that in a bass boat. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, oh, that, yeah. That's one. If we've learned anything from the confession at this point, it's that. <laughs> You're not going to just get there by way of uh, natural means. So <laughs> yeah. you're not yeah. going to just sit out there and be like, "Oh, yes." Yeah. So the scripture would there hold- it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> the scripture would hold out that every aspect of of your life is worship unto God. Yeah. So Yeah. Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. But it's also going to hold out a corporate gathering, which is distinctive worship, which is uh, not optional. Uh, nor is it... Uh, it is commanded. You shall not forsake your, the exactly. assembling of yourselves together as some. And it is definitional of the life of a Christian. So you can't say, ah, well, I don't need it. There is an order of saying <laughs> that this is something that is set aside for sacred means. Yeah. And so when it so. comes to this, uh, that's why, yeah, if you're if you're in a bass boat on Sunday morning, you should stop that. <laughs> you should go to church. Yeah. You should go to church. You should go to church somewhere. You heard it here first. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, for, I'm, I'm, I, you know, it, maybe maybe you're like our church. You don't have an evening service. Maybe you can go to the bass boat in the afternoon. I don't know. But, you know, in, in the morning, you should go to church. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yep. So, you want to give an outline here, Dave? Oh, well, there's quite a few outlines. So, one's going to define uh, what's pretty much known as the regulative principle. That's going to define that for you in point one. It's going to expound upon that into, uh, let's say, point, uh, point five. So that's going to give you the elements of worship given there, regulated to you. And point six is going to further define those things. So, hmm. uh, One's regulative principle. Two's uh, a, a kind of a zoomed-in view. Five, they're going to get to the elements. Six, they're going to bring it home. So will just say it that way for the first six. Seven and eight are going to be on the Sabbath day. So I remember when I was a young child, I'm going to give some personal anecdotes on this one. I remember walking by various churches because they're, they're everywhere in our land right now. So did you ask, just real quick, did you ask God, you know, which one you should join? And he told you that none of them because all their creeds are corrupt. <laughs> he, said, he said, you know what? There is too many. Let's get another one. <laughs> There's too many and they're too confusing. Let's start Mormonism. That'll, <laughs> that'll clear the water. That'll right clear now. things up real good. Actually, I was a man, and <laughs> and actually, you get your own planet. Like, oh, okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for thanks for, thanks for clearing that up, man. As God once was. 
man is man, man is man maybe yeah man is and as he <laughs> is man may become <laughs> you heard that here you know the ultimate <laughs> oh my you brought this up so the ultimate crux, hang on hang on hang on sorry let me finish my personal anecdote okay so i used to walk by various churches and of course i was lost and also dumb you know some people are lost and not dumb i was lost and dumb so 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 i thought you know these are all probably the same they look similar everybody seems to act generally the same and i really had no criterion to judge so um the the chief distinguishing feature of the reformation is in one sense proper theology in a practical sense though and even calvin and luther both would would say that uh, it's worship it's reformed worship. That's actually the point of the whole movement. At the end of the day, it's actually a worship movement. It's um, in its inception to its, you know, accumulation in some extent yeah. um, is about worship. It's about proper and right, giving God what he requires in worship and glorifying him the way he ordains to be, you know. So, yeah, chapter 22 directly flows out of 21. So how do we apply this liberty now given <clears throat> Yeah, worship in the ways which is now in worship? And it's going to define those things for you, what that means. So what is the conscious now bound to do? And it's this, right? That being a, the, the cog of the Reformation, pretty much. Correct. I agree with you. A worship movement. Mm-hmm. Guitars. <laughs> Scars. <laughs> Scars. It is one of the nine marks of a healthy church as well. Mm. You like that book? We, I actually talked to that book, so yeah, you know, it's it's pretty solid. It's not bad. It's not terrible. Of course, now it would also be being DEI inclusive. You got They added the tenth mark. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of the tenth mark. The original <laughs> nine marks was pretty good. You know, before we, <laughs> we'll just keep those. <laughs> Solo scriptura with the nine. You know, I don't know. I don't know that Capitol Hill is is where it needs to be today. But you know, that's. That does happen sometimes. Mm. That was a great book, though, man. It was a good book. For sure. Hey, you want to jump in? Any introductory remarks? Mm. My point in bringing up my young Personal self antidotes. is that, yes, yeah, sometimes from a very outside-looking-in perspective, Protestant churches seem very similar, and in some sense they are. Reformed worship, though, is uh, hinging on the regulative principle. So in the Reformation, you had basically two streams of thought. Um, you still see those two streams, even though people may not realize what stream they're in or examine it. But you had the regular principle, which we're going to get into here. And then you had the normative principle, which would be uh, basically similar, but almost e- equal and opposite to the regular principle. The normative <laughs> principle would be <laughs> um, if God doesn't not say, don't get in a bass boat, we can get in a bass boat. That might be a little disingenuous. That is disingenuous. But, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the normative principle is, if God doesn't, if it's not explicitly condemned. Yeah. It's it's permissible. So if God doesn't say we can't do insert this, then we can't. That's traditionally yeah. so. That's why Lutheran and Lutherans and Anglicans. That's why they keep the robes, the priestly vestments, all those things that come. Luther pretty much is saying anything that's that's a holdover from medieval worship that is obviously not conforming to the scriptures. We're just gonna say, hey, we don't want to rock the boat too much. Like, mm-hmm. And this is going to be disingenuous and disadvantageous for us to do this to this bunch of superstitious people uh, during the Reformation. So he said, we're just going to keep it. 
And the reformer is like, mm, nah. I don't think he said it quite like that. That's what he meant. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> that's my that's my own phraseology. Of course, he didn't. He wouldn't. He didn't word it like that. But that was. That's pretty much. It's pretty much the gist of the whole argument. Yeah, I don't know if there's a universal reform perspective on this point. I mean, the the regular principle is more. You could almost call that a Puritan principle. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, this You're is right. this is very heavily Puritan at this point. Mm. Um, I'm not even sure Calvin was a regulative principle guy per se. Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would say we would be. It probably wasn't as well defined. But yeah, yeah, well, it can be hard to pin Calvin down sometimes. He was, he was exclusive psalmity. He so. was learning as he was going. Yeah. I don't I don't fault him for that. But. Oh, yeah. no. So, the, I mean, they reject the robes yeah. and all that, the smells yeah. and bells and all that. And other that's stuff. the good thing, I think, about this this particular confession is it's uh, second generation to some right. extent. And yeah. it, it's, had, it's had some time. They've to, had some time to think about things. To ruminate, you know, and see how does it work when you keep the holdover. Well, when you keep the holdover. Doesn't work out too well, right? Anglicanism is plagued the entire existence. It's early house. existence, yeah. In the halfway house, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's just I would say that you know, for me, you know, and this is the second generation of reformed people at this point, and I would say you have the regular principle, which is the Puritan perspective, and you have more of the mainstream reform perspective we call, which is uh, the normative principle. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, most churches by that time, whether it's Lutherans or whether it's uh, Anglicans or even to some extent Continental, although I think they probably would be more regulative than 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 either of the other two. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know that I think that would also kind of fall on that. I, I think there is a really a distinctive aspect of Puritanism, which says that we only worship in the way that God commands expressly and in no other way. Yeah, so I would say the Puritanism has its own flavor of the regulative, for sure. Hmm. So, I mean, you can look back at the vestment controversy early inside of Puritanism. What's, what's that? That's when Anglicanism's up and going, and they're, they're maintaining the, the garb. So, What's the garb? So if, if you ever what, go... What is, what is the garb? Yeah, so if you, if you go to a, a Methodist church or like a Lutheran church, they're going to have a robe on most of the time when they preach. And the reason that is is because Catholicism in the Middle Ages had priestly garments and vestments in which, were, which were going on at that time. So coming out of medieval Catholicism, they pretty much just kept the robes. And they say, well, it's not the robes now, not what they would have had, but that's the kind of the thing behind it is we're just going to keep this. It's not forbidden. We're just going to we're just going to wear the garb, and then everybody will just won't have too much change. Yeah, being a little disingenuous again, the normative principle is what can we get by with versus what should we do only. I mean, the normative principle is how can I not? <laughs> yeah, rock the boat as you say. And so yeah, so that's pretty much that. That's a big controversy inside. But it st- of- still is. Well, I mean, hardcore. Right. So, like, so inside of Puritanism, that's a, the vestment controversy is big. So at that point, you had multiple people saying, I'm going to step out of my pulpit. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And Bootser, they actually write to Bootser, and they say, what should we do here, man? He's like, just wear the garb. <laughs> he said, just, just wear the robe. He said, just wear it. Like, you're going to lose your brother over a robe? And they were like, yeah. So it was a, it was a big controversy at the time. But I guess the, probably the vestment thing might still be. I don't know. But I don't. Probably not as much, anyway. But there's still a lot of holdover of that, yeah, in in various places. The regulative principle, uh, it's very broad in its application. I'll say it that way. It people would like to narrow it down and say that that means you can't use instruments or something along those lines, and that's puritanical in its in its origin because they didn't like that because it's in nowhere in the New Testament does it say use use instruments, but. 
Yes, that's he, usually not how it's used now. I would say that. No, no, that you can get way too, you know, a field. Yeah, you can get way too, you know. I've heard examples used various places of like it doesn't say we should speak from a pulpit. It doesn't say we should have right. carpet. So it's like you know, and that that's hyper. Yeah, that's hyper. That's hyper regulative because what's going to be regulated to you is principles. It's not going to be practices. Yeah. So. As long as your practices conform to the principles, that's the regulative principle. This is talking about corporate corporate gathering worship. Now, it's more inclusive in this chapter, but that, that's contained in here as well. Yeah. Now, you want to jump into point one? Yeah, I'm good. You good, Nathan? I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, chapter 22. Glad you're here, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Appreciate it. Here you are. <laughs> I'm happy about it. Here I am. Of religious worship and the Sabbath day. The last two points we're not going to cover today. Seven and eight are explicitly the Sabbath day. So, point well, episode two, part two next week. Part does. Part does. Will be the Sabbath day. So, paragraph one. The light of nature shows that there is a God who has lordship and sovereignty over all, is just, good, and does good to all, and therefore to be feared, loved, praised, called upon, trusted in, and served with all the heart, all the soul, with all the might. But... The acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself, and so limited by his own revealed will, that he may not be worshipped according to the imagination and devices of men, nor the suggestions of Satan under any visible representations or, or any other way not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. So point one, I think that's going to be pretty much the definition of the regulative principle of worship. So the lot of nature will get you that the fact that you should worship. The lot of nature will never get you how to worship. The light of nature tells you that there is a God, that he is to be worshipped, and then specific revelation is to tell you how you are to worship him. Yeah, let's, that first point, basically natural revelation. Um, they use Jeremiah ten seven, Who would not fear you, O king of nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. So, it seems that they're interpreting that, um, rightly, I think, that... <laughs> That this is not an exclusively uh, mosaic thing. That in all nations, everyone should understand that. Well, you can find examples everywhere, man. You can go to the darkest jungle somewhere Mm. and find people worshiping. Um, Mm. So again, the light of nature compels people to To worship. worship. They know that they're wrong. But inevitably, (laughs) they don't know how to worship. You go into the jungle, the way they're worshiping is not the way they ought to be worshiping. Yeah, apart from <clears throat> apart from scripture or divine revelation, apart from specific versus general revelation, uh, the way in which you are to worship God is unknown, <clears throat> because he and he not unknown. It's unknown to you. It's not unknown. He's he he's revealed that, but hmm. he defines for himself the way in which you are to come to him. He uh, they they also quote Mark twelve thirty three, love him with all the heart, understanding, strength. To love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So, yeah, basically verbatim stated. So that's exactly what we were talking about, the guy in the bass boat earlier. So that's the (laughs) imaginations of men. So you're not allowed to say, oh, you know. I feel this. I'm going to think about you on the water. You know, something like. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer to worship my God on a bass boat. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know how many times people say, you tell me I got to go in that building and I. And the answer is, as we'll clarify here, is it's not the building, it's the gathering. So, But yes, you do have to corporately gather and do the things prescribed to you, yes. That's, 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 that is not the light of nature, that is the prescribed way to do it. No, it doesn't have to be a building. I mean, I've seen it done in a in field, a field you know, wherever, or wherever. in a barn. 
right. basically, or in, in a, a you know in a house or many bit different places. There there are options there, but or Solomon's portico, you know. Yeah, the portico. <laughs> the portico. The I mean, so I mean, if there. you want to go that route, you can definitely go that route. If you want to stand out in the field and, and worship, <laughs> I mean, that that's fine. I'm if good you can with get, it. You, you know? convince enough people to worship with you, you know. But and, and, and a lot of Baptists did. I mean, they found any nook and cranny they could find. I mean, they yeah. are nonconformist at the uh, at the point in their history, anyway. At this point, at least right now where we're at right now, I don't think you actually have to do that. No, so right. I wouldn't really generally recommend that. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got if you know providentially, if you're given a building, you go to the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think what's intended with that statement they've is, actually got a point about that. So we'll get yeah, there. They do have a point, and what's intended is there's not some sort of popish hierarchical structure yeah, there's not a magic place you go yes there's, there's no superstitious a, there's either. not a sacred people that structure people that don't study history don't understand just how superstitious medieval europe was oh yes <laughs> so they don't understand the context what's coming out of that mm. but anyway. where you would kiss the steps of a church correct as you i mean it was climb it up was, it. there was a relics and it was really medieval catholicism at its base is really just one huge superstition where they would be, where they basically took the steps from jerusalem that supposedly yeah. jesus uh-huh. had come down with Pilate, and then people pilgrims would go there and then yeah. climb them on their knees and yeah, your pulpit has to be on the east side, so it's closer to Jerusalem or something like that. I mean, yeah, the Narthox idea too, mm-hmm. which Sproul actually enjoyed and actually built one. And and you know the idea is okay still. I think to be somewhat maybe too generous to medieval Europe, I think at its foundation there was some good ideas. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But right. yeah, it got super bad. Yeah, modern <laughs> modern church architecture should be for or for uh, for uh, vocals. That should be its main thing. It should be focused upon the, the, the preached word and the singing. Right. But anyway, that, that's a different conversation hmm. as far as church architecture. Anyway, yeah. So the natural revelation, we've made that distinction in the past, maybe rehash of that. The natural revelation is what's common to men given in the creation, known by yeah. um, observation in some extent about God. Not just that you can know that there is grass and it is green, <laughs> but that you can know that God exists. And that he is certain attributes of his are put on display. Yeah. Romans one says his eternal power and divine nature. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, you know. I think we like to pretend like it's not as clear as it is, especially in our, you know, naturalistic age. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, when you look at yeah creation itself, it's it's on display like yeah um, simple cause and effect principles. Correct. Yeah. So it just because so because things are now finite, that means there has to be something infinite. Yeah, it's pretty simple. That, that's yeah. every man of cognitive function can come to that conclusion. I agree. It, yeah. it takes special education and, and, and stupidity to say that's not true. So I agree. It takes a whole new level of, of stupidity there. But yeah, it does. So there, the, the, the distinction between natural revelation, special, or uh, here they say the revealed will, yep. is stuff that you can't come to, and that's extremely important as well. Kind of like the bass boat thing we've been harping on. You won't you won't come to any real knowledge of God through no. bass boats. And- you know, there's there's someone out there that we've like really offended. You know that he's like out there. that that guy. You know, he's got probably like a F two fifty lifted, and you know he is he is livid right now. Yeah, he's probably not listening to the modern reformer anyway. I mean, well, if he if he did tune if he did episode, he is. If we did offend you, please repent. We'll say it that way. Please repent <laughs> and do not worship God according to your imagination. Yeah. So the natural revelation shows you you need to worship, and they make this 
contrast, but the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself. And obviously, through his word. Special revelation. Yes. Yeah. Through, so, through divine scripture. <clears throat> that's really the fundamental assertion of the regular principle. They use Deuteronomy 12.32, Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. Now, again, obviously, that's in the Mosaic context, but the principle, I think, remains that um, it's a serious thing to approach God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, we've really lost that. Um, if you don't, if you've never read Isaiah 6, you should probably read that to start with. That'd, yeah. That would be a good one. 40 to 45 yeah, as well. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. The, uh, the fear of God is lost among his people in our time, uh, overwhelmingly so. And, uh, you know, in some sense, that's uh, the evangelical. It's the church's fault. Well, sure. But in some sense, the evangelical American church has done well at um, emphasizing the love of God to some extent. Uh, maybe, um, unfortunately, sometimes, to the extent of overriding other attributes of God with that. You know? So, like the holiness of God. Oh, it absolutely has. I, I, I saw one the other day that said that, uh, I think the quote was, if, uh, if God is love, then it's blasphemous to hate. Is that one of the church signs? No, it was, it, this it was, was actually a like a quote oh, okay. mm. on that I saw online. I was like, "That is, when you've gone to that point, you have completely you've exalted the love, God, God the attributes things. of love, to an extent where it, you no longer God hates things. Yeah, you've now said that God blasphemes because God does God hate, hate things. God hates things. God also hates people. Yeah, <laughs> he makes sure. it very plain. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> So, namely Esau. <laughs> well, namely I mean? many, many, yeah. many examples. Agreed. Um, I was actually reading Ezekiel 29 or 30 last night in my Ezekiel studies. Just randomly chose a book. But, but man, God, did. he was not happy with Pharaoh. He was not happy with Egypt. He was not happy with any of the surrounding nations. He was most of all discontented with his own people. And um, he says things that are just, we have no category for him now. And, and it's just like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate what you've done, right? And at the same time, coupled with as far as his people, but I love you. My steadfast love endures. I'll, I'll bring you back. So this this coupling together of the attributes of God in some extent. The modern church has lost any definition of different kinds of love. So is it appropriate to say God hates you? Not in one sense, because he has a general goodwill for all mankind. In another sense, is yes, you store up for yourself wrath and iniquity, and he has no agape, salvific love for you. In fact, you will perish in eternal fire. I mean, I would say— I don't know why that's controversial. Yeah, if, if you're talking about the damned in hell, I'm sure they would consider themselves be hated by God. I mm. mean, let's just be real here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, just the way that, uh, that's just the way that it is. Where um, the cookie crumbles. So, yeah, it's like that's when you have a radical— misappropriation of one attribute of God to where it's been ballooned to a level to where that's the only attribute. No other yeah. attribute matters. Mm, and so yeah. now we're saying that, uh, and, and probably that's so that we can justify the idea of accepting people in their sin really is what I think. That yeah. Gets down, that's what, what it is. Yeah. So the, um, is Ephesians two, we were passing our days in Mali and Envis hated by others and hating one another. It's actually like, <clears throat> what's funny is, unregenerate man which i would argue the vast majority of all this <laughs> struggle is primarily done by people who don't have the spirit <laughs> and do not have you know the ability even to discern things that the natural man can't discern but uh, hate is actually what love has been propagated to be in some extent in our time maybe a better way to say it is true love 
is completely lost and it's actually very hateful to be like oh yeah i can see your um mounting up sins <laughs> for the day of wrath yeah but go ahead because yeah, I'm, i just yeah what, what yeah am I gonna cover for you? well it's just like you know if you see somebody out in the middle of the street about to get hit by a mac truck is it loving to just go you know hey, he chose that path bro <laughs> he likes it i don't want to judge you know <laughs> he could be man, right. let's just, see how it turns out just just say to him man i love you <laughs> i love you brother enjoy that truck <laughs> or would you say get out of the way of the truck <laughs> you know i mean what you know it's it's <laughs> love you brother <laughs> just, just gotta love your brother i, I love <laughs> but anyway so, <laughs> for sure but uh so they're gonna bar you from a few things here in, in this point one that is telling you that uh, <clears throat> yeah. worship is to be regulated by god's special uh revelation or by scripture it's going to bar you from the imaginations of men so anybody anytime comes in a church service that says we have to do this for the worship thing such as rome let's just say it you have obligation to say no no we're not going to do that god by his own by his own standard defines his worship and it's going to say by any suggestion of satan which is not uh so let me hop in here okay i think suggestions of satan are just everywhere so um every cult i think fits that category very 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 well um because what what you have uh in in any like offshoot cult of christianity is the end game of false worship that's really where it's headed that you end up detracting from what god has prescribed for himself and that happens in every case unanimously it may happen in different ways right but so, a few examples, I think, are poignant. One, God prescribes the preach word, as we're going to get into, and then um, right articulated prayer as a corporate body. So, every cult that, I can, that I've looked into and can think of destroys that. Like, there is no authoritative, clear understanding of Scripture proclaimed to the people. It's actually something else. It's a publication, a, a bi-weekly. It's away from it's a, Scripture unto yeah, the person. Yes. Whether unto, the Pope or the cult, either one. Yes. Yeah. Unto man's musings and uh, devices of Satan in some sense. Uh, very clear, actually, how you detract yeah. and then you add things. That's a pretty good definition of suggestion. So I think that's what they're going for. They're not... Not to say, not to get this like too far in the weeds, but to say anything that that is in fact implanted there that is sinful is would be suggestions of Satan. So whether it be yes. sinful actions, not to, or whatever, how deep ever you want to go into that. But. Yeah. So it's not it's not just going and worshiping the goat statue, right? Right. It's it's also Jehovah's Witnesses, right? <laughs> Correct. You know. So well, that's a good point. It's also dare I say. Roman Catholicism. I yeah, dare for say. Sure. I, I say. That's imagination of a man and the Antichrist himself. <laughs> the suggestions of Satan. Yeah, so the last thing they use, Exodus 24 to 6, which is uh, obviously in the Ten Commandments. You should not make for yourself to carve image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, water underneath the earth. You should not bow, bow, bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, is a jealous God. That's, of course, the second commandment, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, any visible representation. Yeah, what's funny is that's exactly what the cults do. Like they, again, they don't have a golden calf, but they do. <laughs> like they they don't have a um visible molded statue, but they do have you know Ellen White, for example. Like they they have this thing that they raise up to an equal and ultimate authority 
that is not God. And uh, it's common, very common. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and then, you know, to be a little disingenuous again, the love aspect of God overriding other clear revelations is a great example of that, too. You don't even have to be in a, like a, a dogmatic cult. Like, it's very easy to do. It's, mm. it's actually our proclivity to mess this up in a massive way. Yeah. So the last point, though, is not prescribed in the Holy Scripture. So that's the, that's the catch-all right there. Mm-hmm. So this is, that's the regulative, that's what we mean by regulative principle of worship. As those things found in the Holy Scriptures, that is what is to be positively done, not under any of these wiles. So not under the imagination of men or visible representation or by the suggestions of Satan, but by the way in the manner in which they prescribe. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah and yeah. <laughs> More comments on point one? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, basically what we've, if we could boil it all down here, basically God decides how we worship. Yeah, yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. He, pre- that, that's, he that's, prescribes his own worship. Yeah. He, he sets the terms of how he is to be worshipped. We should not deviate from that. Yeah, so Adam in his created state would have known, like, hey, I need to worship this creator. And then he would have said, oh, well, how do I do that? When God condescends and comes to him, walks with him in the cool of the evening. Right? So it's by God's own hand he appoints these things. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Paragraph two. Religious worship is to be given to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to Him alone, not to angels, saints, or any other creatures. And since the fall, not without a mediator, nor in the mediation of any other but Christ alone. Now, there's a lot in that. Um, yes, there is. Clearly, the context, as we've brought up over and over, um, by saints, they mean a very specific thing. <laughs> so we'll we'll get into that but religious worship is to be given to god the father son and holy spirit to him alone notice how and again i don't we've been through the chapter on the trinity long long ago but notice how they speak in triune terms here Mm -hmm. it's it's not just um to them alone and they do this in a very uh, i mean reformed people thought about stuff i don't know how better is that uh, <laughs> they didn't just haphazardly write a confession on a Thursday evening. So no, um, I really appreciate the technicality and the, and the specificity. Correct. Here. Yeah. So God is um, unity <laughs> in Him alone, a singular God, worshipped in the triune persons individually. Uh, it's amazing. So they use Matthew four nine to ten. He said to him, "All these I will give you, if you will fall down." And worship me, of course, this is Satan talking to Jesus in the temptation of wilderness. Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. John six twenty three. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten bread after the Lord had given thanks. I don't know what they're going for with that one. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Go therefore, the Great Commission. Um, so uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I think is what they're emphasizing there, is that uh, true Christian worship is um, only directed in one very specific God who is um, revealed himself revealed himself as as triune so as as you like to say which I enjoy not Jesus the golf caddy <laughs> um, and also not um, Jesus the mode of God uh-huh. oh yeah <laughs> so so yeah it's um, they yeah. I think it's John 17 they sh- they shall know you right 
What I I think uh, six twenty three was actually calling to mind the I am bread I am the bread of life discourse is is what uh, I'm thinking is going on there because it's basically talking about them coming to seek the bread. Come on, in this man. case uh, the bread which hmm. the, the son had given them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. Come on, Mitch. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'll say this. So I'm too excited. <laughs> so I'll say this: if if you're a true Christian, a true Trinitarian Christian. The Trinity is not a doctrine that just confuses you that you talk about in John 1 1. Okay. The, doc- the doctrine of the Trinity and the Trinity itself. So I should be able to follow you around and know that you're a Trinitarian. You shouldn't have to tell me. I'll say it that way. Your worship should always be in, in the triunity of God. Like that should be, that's a revealed fact and one in which he did not have to do. And that should be ever present forward in that, rev- in, that in your worship. Do you yeah. think that's difficult though? Yes. I think it's difficult if you're not intentional. So just the confession of that is great. So they're going to go to say the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and not through a mediator. So uh, as we'll see, the plot of man is that he is to worship God. And the hopelessness apart from Christ is that he can't without a mediator. So he is to worship continually, and he cannot do that apart from Christ. So a Trinitarian prayer is, is never made to anybody other than the Father. It's to the Father, through the Son, by the grace of the Spirit. So it's the Spirit that, that groans, it does these things, and you pray to the Father through the Son. Okay, that's a Trinitarian prayer. That's the way prescribed to you to pray. That's also the way prescribed to you to worship by the power of the Spirit and the mediation of the Son to the Father. Right. So uh, what's well, a very practical way of doing that, and let's just say in your daily family worship, as we'll get into uh, maybe next episode, in your daily worship or in your corporate gathering is just to confess that reality. So to sing the triune nature of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, whatever it may be, is to confess those things and for those things to ever be on the forefront of the mind versus, some, oh, I just don't understand this and it's hard and my pastor believes it, so we're good. <laughs> You know, Jeez. yeah, I'm just saying that, that's the way it is. I mean, you, you can follow people around for years and not know they're Trinitarian. I mean, it's just not great system there. Mm-hmm. God's nature is revealed in that way and is to be uh, worshipped in that manner. Go ahead and uh, got anything. Yeah, I think I think it is hard, though. And I think it becomes less and less hard the more wrapped up you are in the scripture i I, don't, I agree i mean the real struggle i think with people is that they don't really read much they don't really care to they don't practice the means of grace god's ordained mm-hmm. so that's why it's so hard primarily right. is that it you're trying to do it starving to death right <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's a great point but um james white's book the forgotten trinity opens and says i love the trinity and then with an explanation mark which i thought eh, james doesn't get too excited but <laughs> he got excited there <laughs> he said, James doesn't get excited. Well, he doesn't get well, okay. <laughs> Maybe his his excitement is not. Um, um, you, I remember it was uh, Jonathan Edwards that uh, said that one time he was out uh, riding on his horse in the woods and uh-oh. ended up moved to utter tears just c- contemplating the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you could contemplate like Edwards, you'd probably cry too. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But uh, so it's it's they shall know you. And Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, you know, this is eternal life that you should know God. And, um, yeah, to some extent, to know God is to know the Trinity, because the Trinity is God. Amen. And, yeah. yeah. Every epistle opens up with what? Thanks be to our God and our Lord Jesus Christ and His Father, 
Uh, Something like that. It's something like that. Every (laughs) one of them are Trinitarian in nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. Every single, every single one. And God doesn't have to reveal that to us. He's not bound to do that. It's a glorious reality, one of which that should shape every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I do, I do think practically the real issue is um, from the pulpit down. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. The person who um, has the responsibility for the flock and then is is tasked by God to lead them into all truth to some extent. I think it's your primary responsibility that they know God. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have to put in the time, you know, to yeah, teach both in pastoral and just dogmatic teaching. Yeah. You know, but... Um, Great point. So, yes, religious worship, true religious worship is triune. That's, that's what that means. Yeah, triune only. Not the angels or saints, saints in the sense of uh, past Christians. That have now died. <laughs> well, not all past Christians. <laughs> well, not all past Christians, yeah. but not so, all have died either. I don't guess. I guess you could maintain sainthood. They're mainly re- reacting against the saint worship in the Catholic Church at this point. So yeah. I'll, I'll call it worship. If it's a duck, it quacks like a duck. It's a duck. So they're they're <laughs> worshiping saints and Mary. So they're saying that that should not occur. Um, no angel is worthy of this triune worship. No saint is worship worthy of this triune worship, or any other creature. So anything else cannot be worshipped in this manner in which God commands. Only him and him alone. But we don't worship saints. We venerate saints. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. That's a distinction without a difference, my friend. <laughs> I know. You can I say, know. You can say words all you want to. That doesn't mean I grant you the categories, okay? <laughs> Jeez. That, 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 uh, anyway. So that's a good point, though. I, I, think of, I think of it. So that particular one, I think, in terms of sovereign citizen speak, yeah. which is I'm not tr- <laughs> I'm not driving. I'm traveling. So, you know, you can't pull me over because I am not driving. I am, in fact, traveling. That's funny. So that's kind of what I think of when a Roman Catholic says, you know, I, I'm not worshiping. I'm venerating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing. Sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so the, yeah. So again, confession, context, Catholicism. So <laughs> saints are very specific people so if you've never really looked into that um the new testament teaching is actually that all christians are saints equally um every epistle almost is is replete with that mm-hmm. um, the saints of god even first corinthians which seems to be a pretty messed up place he addresses them as saints like he does everyone else so interesting mm-hmm. um the, the full sainthood and priesthood of all believers is a big part of the reformation and again not to get too far off topic but the saints in the catholic system are very specific people um, that, and there's objective categories um, given for sainthood. You have to achieve it. Yeah. Um, you, you, it's not imputed to you. Um, it's not you, uh, you, by grace through faith alone. Yeah. These saints have achieved sainthood by their works. At the end of the day, they have. They have. They, they're a positive nature, so they they have more good works than bad. So they don't even have to go to purgatory. That's step one. Yeah. Is that they they outweigh they have their, congruent merit. So yeah. they have uh, an. Uh, a surplus of merit at that point that makes you a saint. Yeah. Then you have to have a confirmed miracle. Yeah. So even what always fascinated me was, so you mean to tell me I could be actually righteous and still, (laughs) because I didn't do a miracle, I still can't be a saint, (laughs) but uh, no, you have to have a confirmed miracle. (laughs) No. So the, the idea of saints in general, we could probably ask Francis. He'd probably just make anybody want to be honest with you. Yeah. If you wanted it bad enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he literally like, you know, a little boy asked if his atheist father would would, uh, go to heaven. He's like, well, he sent you to confirmation. So 
Yeah, yeah, Good enough for Franny, that. you know what I mean? Good enough for me. So, we I mean, talked about that. Well, let's just let's yeah. just let's just let's just make that man a saint. <laughs> As well, I mean, what does it matter? Did he did he know God? Of course not. Was he a saint? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm surprised that you know, like, uh, what's the little little environmental activist Greta Thunberg or whatever? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Has it made Greta Thunberg a How saint? How dare you? How dare you? She's doing the natural work of God. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what you get. Yeah. But uh, so I'll, I'll I'll sum up the saint thing. The saints have, um, along with Christ and Mary. The saints have extraordinary merit or extra uh, on top of their own merit that gets them into heaven uh, by grace in the help of Christ. Um, they have extra. So that, to be a saint also, is to pour into what they call the treasury of merit and to give all that extra righteousness. Um, make, up for, it. Up make it. To I make think it, that's yeah. the distinction between congruous and condign merit is mm. basically... Um, Congress merit being the, and maybe I'm going to mess this one up, but Congress merit being the uh, merit that is enough to actually uh, justify oneself, whereas condign is that additional overflow that then goes into the treasury of merit. So you could have either. Yeah. Okay. I think think so. You could have either. As long as you're in. It's been a long time since I covered that particular point. So if you're even or, or above, you're good. Yeah, over and above. You know, saints, saints, they're so good that they they have an overflow of merit, and that mm. extra merit has to go somewhere. So it goes to the bank of merit, <laughs> the treasury. And then then the you treasury. can purchase. That's that. that's what indulgences are for. Yeah, okay? you pr- you pay this. I've got some extra. I'll sell it to you. Get you a couple it's years. It's a withdrawal off. from from the bank of merit. I've got that kind of authority. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't worship them. We don't worship <laughs> angels. And uh, yeah, what's funny is. You have the examples of Paul and I think Barnabas, people bowing down to worship them, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, they condemn that. But you also have Revelation nineteen ten, which they quote uh, John being quoted here. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, which was an angel. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. Your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Which, of course, um, never mind. I was about to go into some Seventh-day Adventist stuff. Um <laughs> But don't worship angels. Clearly prescribed. Um, yeah. They also use Romans one twenty five. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who's blessed forever. That natural condition of fallen man. And then Colossians two eighteen. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism. <laughs> worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. So that's that's pretty much every cult, and yeah. um, <laughs> still yeah. in full swing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, this uh, triune correct worship in which God prescribes, point one and point two coming together, is not possible without you being in Christ. Yeah. So, like we said, the plight of all mankind is to worship God, and the hopelessness is they can't without a mediator. And that mediator is Christ and Christ alone. So, without being under his tutelage, under his priesthood, under in his body, in his blood, there is no correct worship. There is no other worship that is acceptable. There's no other ways to worship, but only in God, the Son, alone is is that mediator between there. So they don't mince any words here. It's Christ alone. That is the only acceptable worship. Amen. So um, the idea of uh, not without a mediator, they use uh, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh 
nor in the mediation of any but Christ alone. First Timothy two five. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there's no other way to communicate that. By the way, that that's the clearest statement I could yeah, ever hear. It's okay. it's unambiguous. So um, I guess the question that arises though is, is uh, and it does get into a lot of rabbit holes that we don't have to get into, but the uh, the mediation of Christ in the old covenant. To some extent, you know what, what we're asserting is it's always been the same. Yeah. Those oh, people yeah. were mediated in the in the same way retroactively. Yeah, right? yeah. You just have a fuller communication in the new uh, of that reality. <clears throat> so the spirit, for example, that's what they said. Was that last chapter? Maybe. Yeah, spir- last chapter. The spirit um, has always done the same work to man to bring him to God, right? Yeah. Regeneration. The son has always played the same role, to some extent. Father. Yeah, so that mediation is just further communicated to you in the New Testament. Mm. So you have more revelation, and it's truly better. It's not It's not the same. It's truly better, but it's just a furthering of the same thing. It's not a new thing. It's a furthering and a better and a completion of that, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. Mm. <coughs> yeah. Do you agree with that, Nathan? Yeah, I'm good Generally? with that. Generally? Okay, good. I'm good. I, I, Skeens approves. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'll I'll allow it. Okay. (laughs) It's it's quite a rabbit hole you could jump in. It is, yeah. Um, I think the natural question, and it's a good one. Um, I'm uh, I'm kind of a natural skeptic by orientation. Uh, So Christ is mediating before his accomplishment, right? So he ascends and takes up that role. Um, after his resurrection in a body <laughs> to some extent his human nature ascends so before that he's still doing it he's still mediating mm-hmm. yeah so he's mediating through tops and shadows and, and prefigures of himself so mm-hmm. the things in which Moses lays down are prefiguring of him mm-hmm. so he's mediating in that way he's mediating that's what I mean by fuller communication mm-hmm. as in now he does not do that through tops and shadows but through the finished work of himself now, that finished work is retroactive, and that you can be a part of that before its accomplishment. So you can think of uh, all the people that we've mentioned over and over again. You know, David said, I'll build you a house, and no, you can't dwell in it. So they understand this mediation of type and shadows and see beyond it to the fulfillment in Christ. Abraham saw my day. Not a day, not a, uh, not a nondescript day. He saw my day, as in Christ. He saw Christ's day. That is how it is mediated through that. He understands that and mm. sees that fulfillment. Saw it and rejoiced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we just tend to think that those guys are just dumb for some reason. I don't know why. But don't say we. I don't. No, just is a is a is a is a corporate we, as in <laughs> the rule. <we. laughs> in the rule we, we tend to think, oh, everybody in the New Testament was just dumb, didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand. The Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't see Christ. I don't know. The disciples seemed like they didn't know. What was going on. <laughs> well, that's but, true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I, I don't know if they knew what was going on. I think there's definitely a lot of people in the Old Testament who knew what was. Going yeah. On. Right. Yeah. I agree. True. I think that it was act. I mean, it was hidden from them to and, some extent. And by the end of the day, it's Christ that saves. So it's Christ Himself, not uh, not any sort of uh, the, the the teachings themselves don't save you. It's Christ. It's your communication of Him through those things. I think everybody forgets that. Right. Everybody forgets that there's a person behind these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So it's Christ and his glory in which we are to live for. It's Christ that we are to worship in the ways in which he's prescribed. Not the things, right? Not the things, but him himself. So. Amen. Yeah. Very 
important. So yeah, the Old Testament saint is is mediated the same way. Adam is in Adam's in between Christ in the promise, understanding of the fulfillment of those things. No, that's a good point. I yeah. think the mediation is important to see because the assertion here, if I'm if I'm correct, is that um, they've uh, since the fall, man has always needed mediation to go between him and God. He can't yes. bring him true worship, mm-hmm. and the worship He's he fallen right. Yeah, the worship he brings is is at best. So when know. so when man falls, we can't we can't make God fall. We have to be restored and mm-hmm. we're lifted up. Like it's mm-hmm. we, God doesn't come down. We have to go up. So mm-hmm. that's the mediation aspect there. There has to be someone that has went up and taken you with him, right? So we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So that's Ephesians 2, somewhere in there. But anyway, so that's what's going on there with mediation, right? That That's a, a go-between, like a, a person between you and God, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we really only see the full completion of that in the New Testament. And the person between you and God is God himself, right? So Yeah, it has yeah, to be. Vera homo vea Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah god and man god and man has to be yeah it's well said i think again you could belabor that uh so man has always needed mediation since the fall um and it's always been through christ alone that's yep. a massive st- i mean very central to christian understanding i think the old testament unfortunately in our day has become you know, like I think I said this before on on some episode, like just really sucked for them. Like it was, it was, it was by by their works. It really it was tough. Yeah. They had to earn it. They had to earn it, man. Uh-huh. And it was just, it was way different. And now, thank God, Christ has came. Yeah. What we're actually asserting here is, no, it's always been Christ. Um, oh yeah. From the three fifteen prophecy. And on top of that, you know, God was really angry back then and now he's now not. He's, now you he's know, not like, so angry. No you know, it's really. like back then if you if you were if it was a, if it was like a Thursday and you did something you wrong, know, he I, would zap you. And now, now it's now it's different. I tried mm-hmm. to tell Ananias and Sapphira that, but that they just didn't listen, you know. I said, you know, he's he he has no wrath now. Just go ahead and don't give him all your money, you know what I mean? <laughs> or well, don't lie. <laughs> right. Don't lie about it. Yeah, you're the Holy <laughs> Spirit, the person of the Spirit. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. So, big statement. Um, and I do think, I think the Old Testament saints understood to some extent the persons of the Godhead. Obviously, that's that's mm-hmm. another big point of contention. Um, but I think they did. I think it, you can display that. Not not in yeah. terms like we want to see. I mean, yeah. Um, so you see shadow on top of that as well. The three men come to Abraham, all those good things. So Sure, it's there. Yeah, it's, you see the top, and you see the shadow, and then you see the clarification when Christ actually reveals the Father. That is his. So we would have grasped at him. We would have, with the New Testament alone, you could you can get your arms kindly around him, but you can't see the figure that you're hugging, right? It's it's with in, the Old Testament. With the Old Testament, it's it's really the incarnation of Christ that reveals the Father that does these things, right? So mm-hmm. his exact, you know, of his nature, the exact representation of his nature, and all those things. So he's revealing that for us. Yeah. So one thing, a caveat here, a brief caveat before point three. Step into the caveat corral. I think I think in our time we have made church into moralistic, therapeutic deism. As we've, I don't know that we've ever used that nomenclature there, but we have. And when you think about um, church and your experience of it, there there has to be some form added of the necessity of the pastor slash whatever 
bringing you into the presence of God through the revealed will of God. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's really lost is the, the importance of God has spoken and we have to submit to it and understand it versus like, I'm here for you, brother. You need some? I don't, I don't you know. You need moralistic <laughs> therapeutic <laughs> therapy? That's a right. great point. So yeah. whenever we, whenever you go to a church, it's always like, well, I like the carpet to be this color. And I've had so many conversations. It should be 70 with, with, degrees in there, whatever else. Well, well in there. more. There's I no parking. It's far away. Whatever more, it is. More practically, the conversations I've had is like, I just love these people. Number mm-hmm. one, it, yeah. it's, it's the same thing you would say about the YMCA. <laughs> it's the same thing you'd say about a recreational club that you're a really fan of. Like, it's a great place to be. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and that's not true. I mean, that, that in itself is not, not true, but true. I mean, yeah. So fellowship and various right. aspects come along with it. But what you don't hear is the pastor <laughs> loves the, and you do hear that sometimes, but it's more rare that, um, they preach the true gospel. They bring me into the presence of God through his revealed will. Like, not that you have to say those things, but I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's not focused upon God and his worship. Yeah. That's it, it. It's, that's it's it. usually my preferences and what I like and don't like that. That's really those things. Those things are what, what needs to go away and what needs to come is, is like, this is what is prescribed for me to do in the means of grace and all those other things. Yeah. So those things can stay, I think Yeah. And those things are great. <laughs> I would argue that those things are actually necessary for healthy human existence. But, you know, yeah. what we're talking about here is a much higher thing. Agreed. Yeah. They flow out of that. They do. They have to flow out because yeah. uh, you can manufacture that. Right. You know. Cults are very good at doing that, actually. Very good. And secular places. Mitch uh-huh. is teaching a class on the cults. That's the reason. Keats come back he's, up. He's got, got cults on the mind. So It's bad. <laughs> I'm just I've been so depressed. <laughs> so many lost people. There's a lot of them. I, know. I feel worse for the leaders, though. I feel super bad. For I these don't. Guys. I don't. Well, I'm more um, concerned <laughs> for them. That might be better. Yeah. Yeah. Their condemnation is going to be very, very. Oh yes. Great. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's terrifying to think yeah. of. Okay. I guess we have to move on. Paragraph three, prayer. So now we're going to get into elements, right? The what is worship, uh, you know, chapter 22 of religious worship. What is it? What's it contain? So we're kind of transitioning here. Prayer with thanksgiving being one part of natural worship is by God required of all men. But that it may be accepted, it is to be made in the name of the Son, by the help of the Spirit, according to His will, with understanding. Reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love, and perseverance, and when with others in a known tongue. That is the greatest. The point three and four, man, is really just the greatest summary of what prayer is and how it is to be accomplished. I've ever heard. Hmm. To be honest with you, the Westminster said it first. Well, right. So either way, <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah it's, so yeah, I'm not give credit where credit's due. That's a fantastic statement. Mm-hmm. It's very careful. It's fantastic to you because you understand the complexity yeah. of all the biblical data that has Correct. to be Correct. Yes. Yes. You understand exactly that that is worded great. So what you're always to do is give thanks, right? That's what you see in, in Scripture forever. I'm always giving thanks for you. I'm giving thanks in all things. And that's, that's, so that's important when it says prayer with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That is the first element of that, of that correct prayer. Uh <clears throat> So that prayer with thanksgiving. And then we see by the light of nature that all men are to pray. 
and what we're talking about, they cannot without the mediation of Christ. So they cannot pray correctly and they cannot pray in a way in which is with Thanksgiving, with these actual attributes here listed, apart from the special grace of, of, of God. <clears throat> um, so they use Psalm 95, 1 to 7. Uh, I won't read that in its extent. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. If, if you don't know that, you're not a Baptist. <laughs> I mean, let's be you honest. You can baptize people before immersion, but you don't know then. If you yeah. don't know, let us make a joyful noise. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 65, 2. Oh, you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. And what they're trying to highlight with this is that first point, kind of, that um, it's natural to men to pray. You hear that, um, like Nathan brought up memes. You hear that same, not a meme, but a, what would you say, a common phrase maybe is there's no atheists in foxholes. Yeah. However, that yeah. doesn't mean that the non-atheist in foxhole prays a good triune prayer. Triune prayer that is acceptable <laughs> to God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he's getting ready to die. Yeah. What that does mean, though, and what that does highlight is that um, men naturally understand there's something above them, someone maybe to some extent above them, a higher power that they call on in time of need. Yeah. And uh, that's natural to men. I feel like the plot of modern man is, I don't know, just because I guess you've just been so beaten down with this idea whether you went to public school or whatever else it is uh it was pretty much as like I did, I did. like any kind of generic faith is good so mm-hmm. like he prays like that's great that that this he is, was a man of prayer right he's a man of prayer it doesn't matter if it's triune or in the name of the son by the power of the spirit by the mediation course, it doesn't he, matter he was a high things. priest of ball right. but i mean he prayed a lot <laughs> he prayed a lot <laughs> He so, was a Hindu priest, but he did pray. <laughs> so any kind of generic faith in a nondescript God in which you are devoted to, it's your devotion that's good, right? Mm-hmm. Not the object of your devotion. Yeah. And that's exactly what's reacted against here. He's saying that that man is required to pray and cannot do it. Mm-hmm. Now, he cannot do that apart from Christ. So it is to be done in the name of the Son, by the help of the Spirit, according to his will. Mm-hmm. Like, my gosh, that is... That's well said. That's a fantastic so, statement. So the requirement of God upon men to pray can be, I think, easily seen some sort of authoritarian communist state type understanding. <laughs> that's not it. It's actually just that's With what the military parades. Yeah, like um, the Hitler Youth, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, But no, the the requirement is by nature. That's the thing. It's not some sort of external requirement. Now we're talking about in, in the idyllic, you know, pre-fall state. That this was not like, oh man, I guess it's seven o'clock. I better go pray now. It's <laughs> not that. It's by nature you're made for this task. Mm-hmm. It's actually your your completion of prayer and fellowship, communion with God, is um, built into you intrinsically. That's what yep. you search for. Uh, you know, and and therefore it is a requirement, right, to to have that. But uh, I think I think that can be uh, misunderstood. But. Yes. Um, so with understanding is great. So by faith. Yeah, that so, with understanding, uh-huh. I would if if you highlight that's that's what I would highlight. So that's not that's <laughs> so, not out of your mind or some kind of a static speech or, or, or it's it's in faculties of understand of the communion that you're partaking in. Agreed. It's not done in ignorance. It's not done in ritual. It's done by faith, right? In in this triune nature by the will of God. With thanksgiving, like my goodness, I I could just. Yeah. You know, if I was going to get a tattoo, maybe I'd just get point four tattooed somewhere. 
Just on like the back of my eyelids so I could just close it and see that point. <laughs> that would be great. It would be the world's greatest tattoo. <laughs> one on the back of my eyelids, man. I want all this. It'll, it shall be as frontless before your eyes. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a little bit of that uh, you, grammatical interpretation. You could get you a leather belt and hang it in a box around your head. Yeah, that'd be okay. There you go. <laughs> you would not be the first one. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I guess the only other thing I would like to highlight in point three, then I'll stop talking, but in, in a known tongue there, they mean a known language. So there's none of this, uh, <laughs> you know, none of that, none of yeah. the, uh, none of the, uh, spiritual yeah. no. unknown language. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. They don't automatically, they don't somehow magically right here in this point, switch to continuationist. As in, we've seen the rest of the whole confession to say that that's not true. So, what they don't mean, a known tongue is just a known language. So, this is reaction against the, the Latin mass of the time. Yeah, which I, I think it, it does apply hardcore to our day of charismatic and that And that's also with knowledge. So, both of those things are reacting against that. Well, that if you consider what they quote, which is First uh, Corinthians 14, uh, 16 through 17. Hmm. Um, let me... I have it here. In the RSV. In the RSV, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the granddaddy. It's all right. It is. Uh, I mean, Maybe I'm, you got American Standard Version after that one. You know. Well, it's not It's not KJV, so it's not that. Ah, it's definitely not Geneva. <laughs> Otherwise, if you bless amen. with the Spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say the amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may give thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. The, the ESV says being built up. The other, uh, of course, they had person. We won't even get into that. It's not being built up. So the idea of corporate prayer is not just so that you could have communion with God, which you have, yeah. but it's also uh, a means of discipling others, edifying, building others mm-hmm. up. And I, I can speak myself. Um, I remember when I first heard a actually solid prayer that wasn't like, Hello, Father. <laughs> right. We're here again. Daddy God. Yes. Something like that that I was accustomed to. The squishy um, just emotionalism of our time. Once I heard someone stand up and pray in the triune name of God with authority um, and, and highlighted like basically a person who knew what biblical prayer was and then followed the model, it absolutely blew my mind. I was like, wow, I don't pray like that at all. I'm more like, hey. So... so is that what you did? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that, which is, you know, yeah. I think we're all on that journey together of discipleship. But <laughs> so when I first heard that, like I say, it was truly staggering to me to be like that. It was immediate in my mind that that's actually how you should pray. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, but and, and why is that? Because that's what's given right when paul has a prayer recorded what is it like hello dad is it that i don't think so so so, yeah uh, so the great of course it should be in kjv english too (laughs) (laughs) the one that paul spoke but (laughs) (laughs) But, uh so uh, point three is going to react against ritual prayer as well so which is a big thing so don't be like the pharisees that think they're heard because they're multitude of words (laughs) Pray like this. Pray in the triune name. Pray by the mediation of, of the Son, by the power of the Spirit. Well, the the entire system of penance is ritual prayer, right? Right. So do that with uh, understanding, right? Do that with fervent strength, uh, all these things, love, thanksgiving. 
and with others in a, in a known tongue. So let's come back to the known tongue. Okay. So, um, what is it? The 1960s? Is that when the fourth Lateran is? Yeah, yep. mid, mid Vatican, Vatican, Vatican two, Vatican, Vatican two, Vatican two. So mm-hmm. up until 1960ish. I want to say it's between 64 and 65. Most mm. services that you attended that were... In, all services. All services. That were conforming yeah. conforming to the papal oh, authority. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. I'm sure there were rogues out there. I'm sure there were. So all those that were in, in step with the church's teaching were done exclusively in Latin, mm-hmm. a dead language of which nobody spoke. That's why anytime it's depicted in Hollywood... it's like that sounds good but what is that no one knows no one knows that's That's without understanding they actually go as far as to articulate that even if the priest doesn't know latin or understand it Uh it doesn't matter it's sacerdotal yes it's opposite so it's not without faith and it's not with faith it's not with understanding it's done to you and it's it's done external to you Mm -hmm. and this is thank god for the reformation that's all i'm going to say thank god for point four and five here or point three and four i mean that's Mm -hmm. like i said it's just I'm just I'm just moved by how well it's stated. I guess, really, to be honest with you, agreed. Um, so that it may be accepted, I think is key. Um, does I think God hears all prayers because God knows all things to some extent. But right. the the benevolent will and providential care of God through the acceptance of prayers is reserved for yep. those in the Son. Now I think that's what they're saying. Right? Yep. Uh, Good. Made in the name of the Son, I think, is a big a big statement. Now we yeah. live we live in the time of basically the name of Jesus being some sort of magical potion that you can apply to any situation. Just in the name of Jesus, right? <clears throat> and then, which is completely missing it, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? No, I agree with that. So what that means is, in the name of the Son, because of His intercession for you, yeah. you acknowledge that, and that's why it's accepted because He's a mediator, right? Yeah, let's be done by the power of the Spirit. We talked about I talked about that last point, but that's the triune prayer. Mm-hmm. The triune prayer is never addressed to the Spirit. It's never addressed to the Son. Right? It's addressed to the Father by the Spirit <clears throat> in the mediation of the Son. That's the true triune nature there. Amen. And as abused as this text is, uh, what it means is still very true. John fourteen thirteen fourteen. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I think that's an objectively true statement. Oh, for sure. So if I pray, <laughs> hey, let me be more sanctified. Let <laughs> yeah. me guess. You're going to be more sanctified. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to look like what you think, I'm sure. Versus like, oh, let me have a Rolls Royce. <laughs> like uh, now, so that usually is used like, oh, you're telling me that I can just ask for a Rolls Royce and get it? Like, no, I'm not saying that God. So I'm not saying <laughs> yes, that. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that God's your sugar daddy and he bows to your whims and wheels now, right? So. What that means is point four right here, or point three, I mean, and point four. Yeah, same author, First yeah. John five fourteen. This is the confidence we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I think those two statements are synonymous. When Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, it'll be done. Mm-hmm. When John further, I think, identifies that for yep. us in First John, that's the same statement. Yeah. If you ask according to the will of God, it'll be done. Yeah. Well, you also have to keep in mind that when you're talking about the person, it's like, you know, I'll pray for Rolls Royce. Royce, yes, I remember that uh, that's when, you know, James kicks in and he says <laughs> right. that, you know, you have not because you ask not, or otherwise you ask amiss to consume it upon your own lust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so, I mean, just because you yep. pray something doesn't mean that God's like, yeah, no. And thank God for that. <laughs> I would say I would say around just to be honest I say around a third of my prayers are answered. Let's just say it affirmatively and thank God for that because I don't even know where I would be if he. 
all the things in which I wanted and which he gave me would not be great for me. I can tell you that right now. I thank God for an answer prayer. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because he knows better. Uh-huh. So He does. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that we, I think we, we are thankful for what he gives us. We also should be thankful for what he keeps from us. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. You're in there. Uh, so the help of the spirit, obviously Romans eight twenty six. the spirit helps us in our weakness. Yeah. I think um, that's not mystical. See, nobody struggles with what to pray there. That's what I'm, that, that, that's the point I'm trying to make. Like true, true biblical prayers, like what, what do I need? What is your will? Right. I'm seeking those things. Right. If you do that, you're like, yeah, I need the power of the Spirit to see these things. I don't know what I need. Like, I'm a weak temporal vessel. Like, show me these things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea there. Yeah. So uh, I guess just to finish up, the, but since we went verbatim through it. With, uh, <laughs> sorry. I like this point. It's a good it's point. It's a great point. I think this is like one of the most practical things that this entire confession teaches here. It's great. It really is. Uh, with understanding, I think we've we've hit that pretty hard, but... What that would mean is basically the exact opposite of, hey, Father, I've sinned. I did, um, you know, I stole some pears and looked upon, looked oh, upon, get, some, the guest reference looked thing, upon huh? some women with <laughs> lust. And, uh, okay, That's son, um, do five Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys, right? P- penitential. <laughs> um, get out the beads. Get out the beads and count them. The Start counting thing. them down. So, mm-hmm. so. That's with no understanding. Yeah. <laughs> like that entire thing is like, you know, sacerdotal, as you said. So understanding would be like, to some extent, again, referencing the first time I heard a legit biblical triune prayer. One question I did not have for that guy was, I wonder if he understands what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of times in modern church services that it doesn't seem like the people leading corporate prayer have any idea what they're doing they're just up there just emoting yeah and uh, that's become like a some sort of metric in our time of like oh what a solid service what a what a transparent group of people it's like that person shouldn't be leading public prayer that's actually what you should get from that like the whole um what's what's the guy's name we use all the time John, Johnny, John, if you're out there, John, if you're out there, stop emoting, <laughs> stop emoting on stage. stop emoting, John, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, understanding, you know, um, can't be overstated. Reverence is another big one. How many pr- reverent prayers do you actually see? You hear that, um, classic story of the guy who preached and had the word tremble painted on the, or well, engraved on the front of his Bible. Um, reverence like I I understand and then because I understand I now am like super terrified of God mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't approach him as I approach um, you know a human I don't know sometimes I find myself when I'm doing corporate prayer I'm, I'm just like you know Lord please don't let me mess this up <laughs> I agree I mean that's that, the help of the spirit is it not that, I, would, I would agree I mean <laughs> there you go um, yeah that's just yeah, I mean you can't mess it up. So it's not because of the, it's not it's not a heaping up of words, right? It's it's done in the correct uh, faith with understanding, right? It's done it's done in that way. I think that what you're highlighting though is reverence, reverence yeah. for sure, no doubt, and also humility. Like mm-hmm. I realize yeah. that I could easily misspeak here. Mm-hmm. Well, I've I've all, I've had that happen a few times where I've said something I'm just like ah. Oh. Gosh, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me well, too. Yeah. I've done that with sermons. I had so. that. Not, <laughs> well, I had that not too long ago, where I was like, I was, sa- I was saying something, and, and somehow in my mind, it was, it ended up coming out. 
I was conflating two things. I ended up saying the tomb is not empty. Mm. And I was like... <laughs> no, I had to think about that for a second. I was like... No, no, no. no sorry. Correction. Sorry. Correction. The tomb is empty. <laughs> the tomb I, is empty. <laughs> and that, that is... Now, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. I've done way worse than that. No, for sure. So, but yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the reason we should have set prayers. Like, you know what I mean? But, I mean, to some extent, maybe wisdom, but... Um, you know, that's a different conversation. It depends on how, what, they, what they say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a great point there. It depends on what they say. It depends on what they say. Perseverance, yeah. the last thing uh, I would highlight. Obviously, faith and love, surely we get that by now. But perseverance is a big one. That means, so again, a personal anecdote. I was super sick for quite a while. I got super tired of being sick and not being able to do things I wanted to do. Perseverance was highlighted to me very well in that, to say, you know, um, trust looks like perseverance. That's what it looks like a lot, especially in the, in the, in the realm of prayer. It's like, you know, I, I came to you yesterday and asked you for the same thing. <laughs> so do I just say, well, you're obviously not going to give it to me? Or do I? Do you persevere? Jesus teaches clearly. You know the corrupt judge, the widow, um, that parable of you know you. How much more if the widow can come to a corrupt judge who doesn't fear God and man, and because she continually persists, he answers her and hears her case. How much more God, who who loves you and you're His child. So um, don't don't lose hope in perseverance. So. Yeah. Now, the in a known tongue, finally. Um, I think, like you said, it's a, it's a one-to-one against the Latin mass and the entire popish system. Mm-hmm. In our time, though, I think this is directly applicable to all the chaos of charismatic public worship. It means none of that. <laughs> and I would argue even their proof texting of First Corinthians twelve to fourteen also says none of that. I don't think it was necessarily fully out of mind either because yeah. remember Munster had occurred and in Munster <laughs> specifically there was right. praying in, in unknown tongues and things like that going on. Oh, so that's, they, that's a good point. They yeah. were aware of that concept. It wasn't something that was totally oh, yeah. oh for sure. I mean I agree. I think primarily they were writing this, they were talking about, you know, Latin mm-hmm. and the uh, sacerdotal uh services of Rome. But I think that is also something that was in mind. They knew the excesses of that. They knew the excesses of the Anabaptists. They were very careful to try to distinguish themselves from those sort of errors. For sure. That's First London right there, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, Next person I hear say that Baptists come descended from Anabaptists, I'm just going to choke them out right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? That's just not true. Give him, a head, true. give him a headlock. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna know. choke him. I'm gonna choke him out right there. And when they wake up, I'm gonna smack him around. I'm gonna choke him out again. Okay, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> like now, the Lord obviously, would, yeah. depends on how big the feller is. But anyway, if I'm actually gonna do that, so if it's like you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say, you know what, you get a pass. I'm just gonna correct him verbally. You know, <laughs> I got a, I got a sneaking suspicion. Dwayne doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> he would make that statement. Dwayne would say, Dwayne would be like. Did you know that, DL? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that would be your luck, though. That you walk into the Valero. There's the rock. Hey, man, did you know that Baptists <laughs> are descended from Baptists? You're just going to be like, I didn't know that. Thanks. I didn't know that. Thanks, man. You keep, you tell everybody, okay? Tell everybody. Uh, but it is interesting in the preamble. Of, of the confession. They are hardcore. Like, listen, everybody keeps calling us Anabaptists. We're not Anabaptists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
if I hear Anabaptist one more time, <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna take my wig off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're doing wigs yet. No, they were. I'm just joking. No. Okay, all right. I'd, I'd love to stay there. So, paragraph four. Prayer. So, obviously, again, we've transitioned into the elements of corporate worship, religious worship, and I do think they touch on private some. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Make that well, point three is private as well. So point three is going to tell you how to pray. Point four is going to tell you what to pray for. Agreed. Yeah. So prayer is to be made, point four, for things lawful. And for all sorts of men living are that shall live hereafter. That's an interesting statement. But not for the dead. Not for those of whom it may be known that they have sinned the sin unto death. Yeah. So things lawful, that's according to the will. Uh, all sorts of men, that's a direct quotation from Scripture, that's men in high places. Uh, all kinds of men, it's not just kings or priests or whatever. All types of men are to be prayed for. Or that shall live. Now, that's a good statement there because uh, they're like this is a great statement again. So, that's, uh, so it's not wrong for you to say, well, my future grandson or my future wife or my future children i'm going to pray for them even though i don't know them and they're not in existence if you bless me with them i want to pray for that that's completely lawful and fine like that that's something that should be done like you should you should be praying to the future looking for that cultivation things such that nature now but not for the dead that that's the that's the big one there so that's against a post uh post-mortem prayer uh, which would be a big thing in the catholic system to uh, pray people out of purgatory, to to, uh, to enact indulgences towards them, things such of that nature. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty critical in that juncture that uh, specifically, um, that's a big issue that you see at that particular time. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the fundamental issues that Luther had with indulgences right. was this idea that we are trying to do some sort of service or work mm-hmm. to... Um, benefit the dead those that right. have gone on and you know of course i think even in some sense it is it is tempting because you have somebody yeah um you know that's oh, sure. gone on you you want to pray for them or something like that or or and it's just yeah it it, it, it at this point it does no mm-hmm. it does no it, it is it ineffectual no yeah. it is ineffectual at this point in time yeah if they are if they are with christ that then there is yeah. nothing you can pray for them yeah they don't need <laughs> they, they don't need you, <laughs> that is going to help them and if yeah. they are they die without christ there yeah. is also nothing you can pray nothing you can say yeah, that is going to help help them i think the main reason modernly speaking apart from the roman context and all the tradition around that the main reason people struggle with that is because they don't have a very good understanding of of chapter three of the decree of god so they don't understand that all of time and all of matter and everything particularly walks according to his decree Mm. so because they don't do that they're saying they want to do god do like a back to the future type deal like you know (laughs) make things different change them something like that they don't understand that that god's not outside of time and his redemptive scope Get a time machine and yeah. go back and I don't know. change so the... Th- that's the danger of people when say God's outside of time. Yes, he is. In fact, that his being is not limited nor subject to time. That does not mean that he does not work inside of time. So if we're going to pray for somebody that is dead, it, we're saying that God does not work inside of time. That inside of yeah, some so kind of system, he can change it. And he doesn't. It's decree forward. Maybe right? a little more layman's terms. It means that when they die, he wrote it. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, right, he doesn't need your assistance. Yeah, right, he doesn't um, need to go back yeah. and say, "I'll receive a different result." Right, 
you know what I mean? By consensus. <laughs> <Simon Sherman. laughs> yeah, right. we will, yeah. We will run this clock back. So you might, the she'll live hereafter for saved men, right? So that's, uh, I said just a minute ago, but uh, that's like for your future grandchildren or your future oh. wife or things such of that nature. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I was super confused about that. Yeah. The future church. Future I mean, church. Pray for lots of people that will yeah. be hereafter. So if you have children, you should pray for their future spouses, their future children, uh, if God's so gracious to us. All those things. All those things are lawful and good. That makes a lot more sense than what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Amen to that, too. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. A few scriptures. First Timothy 2, 1 to 2. First of all, then I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings. By the way... What a brilliant use of what kind of prayers you pray. Oh, I know. Biblically, but I know. be made for all people. I'm really just starstruck by these two points. To be I know, I know. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly, dignified. They also use 2 Samuel 7. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. That's the hereafter, I think. Um, which makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> for you, <laughs> right. O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. They got heavy in 2 Samuel. They also use 2 Samuel 12, 21 to 23. Heavy Sam. Uh, then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted, wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. What a passage this is. Now, again, it, they quote a few, couple more verses, but that's the loss of David's child with Bathsheba, the first child. And basically, I think they're using that to say, Don't pray for the dead because he's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, well, I mean, that's what David did. He he prayed for the child while the child was alive. <laughs> when yeah. the child died, he stopped. He stopped yeah. and accepted that. Yeah, that's a great point. And actually, arose and took. I won't say pleasure, but took food and yeah, he ate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after the death, which everybody was shocked. You yeah. know, that's the the tone you get from the narrative. Yeah. Is like, well. He's definitely going to kill himself if this doesn't work out. Like, look how mad he is. Look how bad. Look how bad off he is now. But then it's over, and he just rises and moves on. And they're like, "What? What?" Yeah, that's a great point. So, and uh, then his explanation was, "While the child lived, mm -hmm. you know, but I shall yeah. see him later." So, if somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, Abe, what should I pray for in scripture?" I'm going to say, "This is like the greatest statement I've ever heard, just because it's exhaustive and concise at the same time." So, you should pray for things lawful. All sorts of men, great quotation, uh, that shall live hereafter, your future generations, but not for the people that have already died, and not for uh, those of whom may be known that they have sinned the sin unto death, which is a direct quotation from First John. First John. First John. So th that's, that's 516. That's so that's quote. verbatim. Exactly yeah, what is what that, says. though, man? I mean, so Renahan, I'll give you my take, and then I'll give you Renahan's take. They're different? Yes. Okay. The, not a safe place to be, I don't think, but... But he would say that this is the same thing as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to say that is the sin unto the death that, that you see right there in John. Is that in John? It's in Matthew. I think it's... Is it not in John? Oh, but in the synoptics, let's just say that. So the sin unto death are done by the pharisaical thing when he contributes his work to Satan. The work of the Spirit to Satan? Yes. Okay. So uh, Renahan seems to allude to, I don't know if this is a direct position, but that seems to see what he thinks in his book there. Mm is that that's the sin unto death. So if you know that somebody is uh, committed that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, uh, don't pray for that. I don't think that's what it is. Okay. So in 1 John, you read that in context, that means praying according to the will of God. So that's the context of 1 John when he says that statement, do not 
pray for those that have sinned the sin unto death. I think that's any sin in a long line of sins in which God says, I'm going to relieve your life from you now. Uh, so that's any sin of which now uh, releases his toleration of that and results in your death. So Ananias and Sapphira, great. That's a, that's a great thing. So when Peter says that the Holy Spirit is now going to take your life, <clears throat> right, you can't pray for that and say, you know, you shouldn't do that. Right. I think that's an example. Um, I don't know how practical it is to actually say right there in first John that we can discern these things. I'm thinking they're just exhausting scripture at this point. I do. Uh, so if you want to know uh, Waldron's take on this particular point, I can add that to this as well. Go ahead. Throw it in, man. Uh, so this is what he says in the commentary on this particular section. So, um, Often some curiosity is expressed about the statement in paragraph 5 that prayer must be made for those of whom it may be known that they have sinned the sin unto death. Mm. Yeah. Confession is simply reflecting the language of the side of proof text, 1 John yeah. five sixteen. Mm-hmm. I do not know that anything more pro- profound can, than a simple attempt to be faithful to Scripture, scripture yeah. should be made of this. 1 John five sixteen is no doubt speaking of the Gnostic false teachers that troubled the churches to which the Apostle John was writing. As in Matthew twelve thirty one through thirty two and Hebrews six four through six, it appears that these false teachers have rejected a miraculously attested gospel in favor of a satanic counterfeit. Such rejection of miraculous light attesting to the gospel was fatal, a sin unto death from which there was no spiritual recovery. Hmm. Yeah, so that's Renahan's take as well, pretty yeah. much. Is it saying that those people that are now uh completely apostate knowingly apostates cannot be brought to further knowledge cannot be restored those th- those, those people is that that sin under death i don't maybe maybe well given hebrews 6 you know that that whole idea yeah, right. that, you know you have you there there's, there's a way no to there's a yeah. way to know god to uh-huh. know jesus to know the goodness of him right. and to knowingly reject that and if you do that there's nothing, then else, there's, to be done. There's nothing else to be done yeah yeah that, that's a great that point. Does, i mean that makes the most sense it could be. So that could be. I just don't know how you pray, how you don't pray for those people. Or I, I, I guess I would say, say it this way. I don't know. I don't know how in most contexts, at least certainly our modern context, how to yeah. identify those people. Right. You can't identify them. So those are the ones that are known reprobates because of their action. So that's what that is. I do think you can parallel some things. Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Mm. Presupposing like, you know. I think um, I think right there in First John. That's sorry to interrupt you before I forget this thought. I think right there in First John, that's saying that there's sin in which is so high handed that God has gone that you have sinned that sin unto death. So it, it's a sin in which God says, "I'm going to take your life from you." And I, I don't even think He's discussing whether you can know that or not. I, I don't think that's really in the discussion. I think it's prayer and what you should pray for. So leaving that aside, anything in which that is revealed or you know that somehow, you shouldn't pray for that. So you're saying you shouldn't specifically in your prayers and for those people that have committed a sin (laughs) unto death. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm just saying this is illustrative of the will of God and how you should pray in it. And and like Waldron said, if you go beyond him, them just quoting scripture, I think it's highly speculative. I think Waldron really contextualizes and says that this is really contextual to Mm -hmm. these these false teachers specifically. Right. I don't think he's really saying that we can probably apply this today today in a in a very practical sense. Yeah, I got you. Hmm. Yeah, that's great, Martin. I don't know exactly what that means to be honest with you. I would feel a lot better. I'll say it like this: I'd feel a lot better about praying for someone caught up in Kenneth Copeland's church than Kenneth Copeland himself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'd almost pray for his destruction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard at that point. I mean, there there are certain false teachers, like, you know, even even Joel Osteen to a certain extent. Like, I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know if there's any redeeming that. Oh, you should. You, oh, gosh. that That's a great point that you bring out. So if you read any of the Psalms, it's always destroy my enemies. Mm-hmm. No, so what we can do is, is pray for them, but we cannot allow them to succeed. Like that, yeah. we're not praying for their success. We're praying some imprecatory prayers. <laughs> we can say, "Lord, open their eyes." If don't, shut their eyes and kill them. Like one of the two. Like you know what I mean? Like we we can't have triumph here. You know, that's another thing that's lost for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're, sure. Not, we're not praying like you know, Lord. I just hope that you'll bless their ministry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Just let them live long, fruitful lives, Lord, and just let them continue the blasphemy. You know what I mean? I know he needs another jet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe give him that. So that's a, that. That would be a lawful <laughs> prayer there for you. Uh, so Jesse Duplantis needs another jet, please. So it's not sinful to call to the the call for the destruction of God's enemies. So it, it's that's not sinful. That we we obviously hold out their salvation and in hopes for their enlightenment, but we also say their success cannot be good, nor do we want that. You got to have those two realities. But anyway, agreed. Okay. Well said. Sin unto death. Complex conversation. And so that's just a faithful witness of Scripture. Somebody said to me, what can I not pray for in Scripture? I'd say, uh, you should pray, you know, for all lawful things, all sorts of men. <laughs> this is awesome Scripture. And also you can pray for future people, but not dead people. <laughs> and you can also not pray for people that sin under the death. Like, that's just a perfect statement. You know what I mean? That, that, that's just great, really. I think what's contained within lawful things is inexhaustible. Oh, yeah, that's according <laughs> so, to the will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. according to the will, yeah. Yeah. It's a- so it's not lawful for me to pray for a Bugatti. It's lawful for me to pray for sanctification. You mean a, a Bugatti? <laughs> <laughs> what is how, how does Andrew, Andrew Tate say it? A oh, Bugatti. A Bugatti. <laughs> That's a bu- it. A Bugatti. <laughs> yeah. I can't do a British accent. Yeah. I'm also not going to choke him out if he says anything. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna win that fight. Yeah, I'll just say know. yes or you go on about your day. You know, <laughs> yes or in a bad <laughs> Yes or <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anything else on prayer? They're going to transition. <laughs> I'll go ahead. So public prayer and private prayer, I think, are... Both uh, Both should consist of these two elements. Agreed. Okay. Um, public prayer should be somewhat, and this might be not agreed upon among everyone, but should be somewhat more formal, like um, somewhat more leading others as well, much less concerned. So I don't go through my prayer list in public, right? <laughs> For example, right. I don't think it'd be wrong to, but um, a corporate gathered public prayer should yeah. be somewhat formal. Oh yeah, a, a a corporate prayer should be you're you're really more taking on. I don't know if this is the right word. You're 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 almost taking on a representative role for the people there. Oh, for in that, sure. In that locality, yeah. So it's it's yeah. almost like you know, I would think of it like if I was selected as I don't know to represent maybe Christ Bible Church in Congress, you know, <laughs> just let, let me just put it that, that terminology. I wish they would go there. You've got my vote, like, my friend. Like, you know, I'll uh, put you, in there you know, I, you know, I'm going before the uh, congressional committee <laughs> to discuss something like, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm representing Christ Bible Church. So I have to be thinking about, <laughs> you know, what are, what are Christ Bible Church's interests? What would they, yeah. what would they as a group collectively in, in, in support? Me, what would yeah. they represent? And mm-hmm. so I think in the same way, when, when you're praying in that, in that context, I don't know if it form, more formal is the right word, but it is a different scenario, and your 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 considerations when praying are different than when you're just oh, praying yeah. for yourself. And that's a lot of nature, and that's just common yeah. sense stuff. You know what I mean? So, it is. It is. And so, Lord's Day gathering, Lord's Day service is distinct and peculiar to it. So everything should be done is distinct and peculiar to it. So the things in which you do daily are not to be done there, and the things in which you do there are not always to be done daily. 
So it's unique to it. And we'll get into that point five. But yeah, so corporate prayer is is a lifting up of the congregation into heaven by faith. Preaching of the word is the taking down of God from heaven to the people. So both of those roles are to be done by elders, right? Qualified elders, bringing forth these things in that manner. It's a special presence of God. It's a special way in which that God is communed there. And you think anyone can lead corporate prayer? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, nope, I don't think so. Rock on. Qualified men. Qualified men, yep. Okay. Yep. Paragraph five. The reading of the scriptures, preaching and hearing the word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, are all part of religious worship of God, to be performed in obedience to Him, with understanding, faith, reverence, godly fear. Moreover, solemn humiliation with fastings, thanksgivings upon special occasions ought to be used in and holy and religious manner. So point, point five is going to hold out the elements of what corporate worship should entail. Dare I use the terminology, the means of grace. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I would actually probably characterize that as. Yeah. So they're going to hold out the things which are have to be contained inside of that. So these are the elements or the means of grace that is to be brought to God in worship uh, on the Lord's Day, that's point seven and eight. But th- that that uniqueness of that corporate gathering is what I'm talking about. So the reading of Scripture, and these are direct quotations from from Scripture themselves. So the reading of that that's Timothy four thirteen four thirteen. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you pretty have straightforward there. Pretty straightforward there. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. So you read the Scripture, you preach, and that's by a qualified. Pastor, one that has the gift and the calling and the vocation of that. Pastor, elder, teacher. Pastor, elder, teacher, bishop, presbyter, diaconos. Well, the deacon's a different thing. No, but, I, yeah. <laughs> Qualifi- qualified to teach is not one of the requirements. Yeah, of, there you of go. Being a diaconos. Is that diaconos? Yeah, there you go. So, so preaching is a, a mandatory element. So the reading of scripture is a mandatory element. Preaching is a mandatory element. The hearing of God's word, teaching and admonishing one another. So admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Now this is the addition from Westminster. This is the really the only substantive addition here. Yeah. Um, in, as far as differences. Um, they add psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, which is a direct quote. Direct quotation, yeah. Um, Westminster just says psalms. Now again, I don't know that um, it's a requirement to be a Westminsterian to not to be exclusive. exclusive I don't yeah. think it's required. I don't think so either. They were. I know, uh, I know Grace. Well, they're not. They're not actually like they wouldn't be PCA, but they're a Bible Presbyterian. That they, they they don't do exclusive psalmody. So yeah, historically the Reformed tradition is mostly exclusive psalmody. So Calvin, all those people are mainly mainly that. Uh, so that's the tradition in which they're in. But th- this is a, t- a point that's directly reacted against, in my opinion. No, I think they. I think there's a reason for that. I think part there of that is. is a response to the excesses of Rome. I agree. And yeah. I, I kind of get where they're just like, we just want it. We just want a sample on the word. We right. just want the word. But I, I'm, yeah, I'm not you know, saying that's bad. I would say this. I, I feel like with exclusive psalmody, I, I love singing the songs, but it also feels like. You know, I know Christ is in here, but I would like to sing a song about Christ. <laughs> I would like to say his name. Like yeah. I would like to be able to say his name, yeah. to reverence his name. And that's the great point. So I think that's the weak, weak folding point of exclusive psalmody. You can sing the psalms until until the Lord returns and never actually sing the name of Christ. 
Or really the Trinity. You're not, you're not actually, you, you don't actually directly address the triune mm-hmm. Godhead right. directly. I mean, in a sense of saying, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. You know, you know, God the Father, blessed Trinity. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing is not, 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 not present you know, there. I never thought of that. Yeah, so that's the downfall of exclusive psolity. I, I fully agree with that. Yeah. So uh, this is a great controversy at the time. Like this was in the in the, the Baptist great order, controversy. This is a probably the great controversy at the time in the Baptist church. Mm. So some Baptist churches they're really fighting over where the congregational <laughs> singing is necessary to, to the to the to the, mm. to the corporate gatherings. They're going to say they're going to hold out singing in your hearts, and others say no, no. The congregation has to sing. Like that's what's regulated to you. So that's a big war going on. And I also think that's probably why they they add the extra chapter in Philadelphia. I wonder what singing your hearts looks like. I don't. Like, you know, said, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't agree with that. I'm just saying you know. I just, you get to so verbally the, sing, the, in my opinion. The yeah. Philadelphia is explicit. Much. Yeah, they they add yeah. you must sing this. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that's why. That's my opinion. I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of in my speculation. But so so real quick, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Second Timothy four two. Wait, uh, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Right. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Complete patience and teaching. That back to preaching. But uh, they also cite, which is interesting, Luke eight eighteen. Take care how you hear, for the one who has more will be given. One who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. They set that um, also for preaching and hearing the word of God. It's yeah. this idea of you know take care of how you listen as well. That's that's a big one. Um, not right. just you know I've I've showed up and listened. Mm-hmm. I'm present, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a good point. So they um, Colossians three sixteen is the direct quotation Psalms and spiritual songs. Yeah. Ephesians five nineteen addressing one another in Psalms and spiritual songs. So there's so much I want to say about this. So admonishing that's a great <clears throat> quotation. Greet one another, admonish one another. The, the the role in which music was played in the scriptures and in the New Testament is just so vastly underestimated by us. Yeah. So this is this is a way in which that you sing God's truth, sing the word. Right. So you think they were there was a stage. And a performance band usually, <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. So what I would say is, is that is a way in which we admonish one another in this scene. That's a way in which that we learn. Like it, it, it's never to be absent from the scripture, the teaching of the uh, teaching of the truth, right? Yeah, I think that's lost a lot of times. I think most of it is like this needs to incite my emotion. Mm-hmm. Or something along that line. When actually this needs to teach you the truths of God in the Word. Agreed. And that's the admonishing nature of it. And that's the reason it's 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 a definitional uh, thing. So if you don't if you if you come together and you don't read the scripture and you don't preach, you don't hear it and you don't teach and admonish one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that's something other than a Lord's Day gathering. Th- those things are definitional, right? That's something which must be done, and it must be done every time you do it. I think that's what's being held out here, in my opinion, anyway. Well, I mean, I think um, I think you hit on the point there that we sometimes have more of a performative view yes. of of singing, right? Whereas they had a more practical. This is this has a purpose. This has a function uh, in teaching edific- edification instruction. Yeah, um, I think a good example of that. We we actually we do have at least to my knowledge one example of what would have been probably a New Testament. Um, him, which Paul cites in Philippians chapter two, mm-hmm. uh, verse six, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. I mean, that most uh, yeah. New Testament scholars believe that is a citation that he is giving to, the, he is reminding the congregation there of a hymn or a song that was sung yeah uh to and if if that was the if if that's a sample of what they were singing i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. we got a long Lord. way to go we, we, we need some work here yeah, you, I mean, you yeah. definitely you know. see i knew i should be authoring him <laughs> good job wesley <laughs> wesley's hymns are good they are great i agree charles wesley yeah charles wesley had some pretty good hymns yeah they got some good hymns their so. theology was a little charles Not wesley's hymn what is it to hark the herald angels sing one of the, one of the greatest <laughs> that, isn't that isaac watts is I it? Thought, I thought that was Isaac Watts. What's, what's, what's Charles Wesley's big Christmas song? Mm. I was thinking it was Hark the Herald. Maybe. Mitch is usually never wrong about his music. It, it could be. Veiled I, in flesh, the Godhead see. You know what I mean? Like Incarnate the, deity. The, the theology of that hymn yeah. is so lost in the dime store instrumental version in mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A or something. <laughs> you know? Um, Don't shade at Chick-fil-A? For sure. They got good chicken, man. They do. Well, they, they, do, do they, they, they just play like the elevator, the elevator version <laughs> yeah, of all true. these. Like it's just yeah. a little, little yeah. They sanitize it down there. I wish I had my own chicken joint. We we would blast it. You know what I mean? Veiled in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, Cookout at least plays like the actual songs. It plays like you can listen to the lyrics. There you go. Now, I mean, I'm not sure that that's great music. Right. They're not yeah. playing. No, 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 no. I agree. Oh man. So, uh, yeah. so anyway, so those are definitional elements there. So we can go back and talk about that. And then you also have occasional elements. Mm. So you have the ministration of baptism of the Lord's Supper. Um, so baptism doesn't have to be every time. So that's not uh, that's not definitive of, of worship. And I don't think you necessarily even have to baptize somebody in a Sunday gathering uh, per se. But I think it would be preferred. But, you know. Yeah. Part of the service. Part of the service. Is baptism yeah. a means of grace? Yes. For everyone? Communication of the party baptized. And everyone that sees everyone it. is corporate. So the reason you do it in front of everyone because everyone is now confirming that. So that reality is not in and of yourself. The corporate, the body is saying yes. Is it also a means to them of any kind of the gathering? Yep. Uh, it's a means of them in some aspects. Yes, I would say I would to identify the church, to identify those things given. Well, I would say like just yeah. practically looking at someone baptized. It's a right. means of me. Okay, similar, yeah. similar means to the Lord's Supper and right. Not a bare memorial, but a memorial. Right. Yeah. It's an outward outward sign. So I wouldn't say that that would be that, you, that doesn't have to be every service. The Lord's Supper, though I would love for it to be every service, that would be my position. I don't think it has to be. Um, no, Paul leaves it open. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now my position would be that I would take that every Sunday, at least once. But at least once a Sunday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least once. But yeah, well, I'm not saying that's definition. I mean, I if think. it's a, if it is spiritual meat for us, you know, yeah. I mean, if you know, if you only ate like every month. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. might survive. <laughs> it'd, be, yeah. it'd be rough. Oh, you, I would. You, yeah. You may make it, but you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be performing the way you probably should. Yeah. I'm a weekly communionist through and through. You know what I mean? So that's my position. But uh, so what they're highlighting here, though, is that it's actually all part of religious worship. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. those two things we and, do so reverently. Yeah. For God, ultimately, that He's glorified through mm. the means He ordains. Yeah. If you don't take the supper weekly, you should be doing the things the supper holds out for you. Examine yourself, see if you be in the faith, see if you all these things should be done weekly, 
at least. You know what I mean? You are, yeah. You, you like, so it should be accumulating into that as you, you come to the Lord's Day worship. You like a more liturgical style? Me? Yes. I'm a, I'm a liturgy man through and through. Okay. In a lot of ways. But yeah, not say that that that's so that's in the freedom of regulation. I'll say I that do way. think you're free. Yeah, you're free not to be liturgical, in my opinion. So mm, you are. But that's my own. Uh, that's A's flavor there for you. He's a big liturgy mm. man. Uh, last thing again, I could go through a few more scriptures I use, but fastings and uh, oh gosh, Thanksgivings upon special occasions. I think what they're highlighting here is. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I don't know that I've lived through an example. Uh, maybe the closest example I could give, and I don't know that we actually did much, but like the overturning of Roe v. Wade, we might have a special prayer. And say, oh, for sure. Thank yeah. you for that. Something like that. Time of like 9-11, you can think of something oh, like sure. that. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, I was not in Nation church. times of war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I, I would either. imagine most that were. Probably. Well, we probably were, but I was, yeah. I was yeah, very small. But anyway, so something along those lines, or they're going to say with elders, the ordination of elders should be done through fasting. Hmm. They're going to confess that when we get there. But so the kind of special occasion there, these are acceptable elements, right? Not not definitional, nor should they be done weekly. But this is uh, uh, moreover of, of solemn humiliation, so of a particular purpose in, in function. It uses the word special occasion, so ought to be done in a holy religious manner, right? So we, we're incorporating this because there's a providential thing which needs fasting and prayer, those type of things. <clears throat> That's not unacceptable. Mm. Yeah. So that's that, that's the elements that you are to do in corporate worship. Anything else on point five? Uh, the other thing I would say there, I mean, this is something that Waldron points out, is that uh, there's no reason to think that the confession intends to be exhaustive regarding the listing right. of the various parts of worship. No agreed. Um, I mean, there certainly could be other things. It's not. This is not a definitive like. Mm-hmm. This is it and nothing else. Yeah, you could have like a puppet show or something. Yeah, I think you probably have a puppet show, maybe. You know, I used to be a puppeteer, actually. <laughs> did no. you really? Yeah. Dude, you have done everything, bro. I, I, did, I did church puppeteering. Yeah, I did. <laughs> no way. No yeah, my old church, uh, Darth Tula, had a puppeteer. Mm. We actually went to Sunnyside and competed what? As, as a puppeteer. Mm. There were, like, churches from everywhere, man. They were, like, all over the place. Did you take the gold? No, we were, uh, like, third place. Oh, that's pretty good. You're on the podium. You well, know what we, kind of puppeting? <laughs> well, I mean, like... No, I mean, I mean, what were the puppets? Well, you talking about, like, acting out the incarnation or something? No, what you do is you do, like, music. So you'd have a song, oh. and then you would you would um, use puppets to bring the song to life. Oh. Mary, did you know... <laughs> I would be the dove. I would be the dove in the baptism of Christ. Like it's like a dove, by the way. Like a dove. Yeah. So it's not a literal dove. No. No. Nope. No. I can't say that enough. It's like a dove. Next picture, I see that bird coming down. I'd love to just say pull and pop up with a twelve gauge to shoot that dove. Like it's like a dove. It's like a dove. It's not a dove. Gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, how else are they going to convey that? We don't. Man? We don't need visible representation. Fair that enough. just says that. There Fair enough. Go. That's that's a good point. I should have just don't do seen it. that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> just don't depict Just don't do it. You know what I mean? Gosh. Sorry. Just don't. This one got out of hand. You know, you 
you're not a very strong opinionated person. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's one of my great attributes. In the yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the outward manifestation of the corporate gathering should contain these elements. Yes, not exhaustive. I think that's good. Yeah. I, you know, I would be anti-puppet show, but <laughs> but yeah. So it's not exhaustive of the form it should take, but this is the template in, in the So you don't think you it. could have a puppet show for the kids? Oh, I, don't know. I wouldn't do that. I don't know. I, don't I wouldn't know. do that in Lord's Day Gathering. No, it would be simply an application. Maybe, maybe afternoon service. <laughs> <laughs> in between, in between. In between. So, no, so think yeah. of the children, Mitch. Think, <laughs> <of> the children. <laughs> think of the children. I wouldn't do that. So in a non-corporate gathering, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I wouldn't oh, no, do that in no, a no, gathering. I think that's the key. Yeah. Is, so, I would not be super dogmatic. I mean... I would think it's more of a wisdom principle, but yeah, no yeah. one, no one do the puppet show. I would take the supper a lot. <laughs> take it a lot. Give it to you. Don't think you'd have the puppet sing communion <laughs> him before <laughs> before you take yeah. you take it from Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and yeah, don't do that. That is, I mean, don't get me wrong. That is an impressive skill. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would be so bad at that. <laughs> You see my thumb pop? Oh, you'd be surprised actually. Like you're, you're, you're. This, this, uh, this area of the forearm. I mean, this, this, this takes some dexterity. You have to have some strength to do this and so. do that sustain for a while. <laughs> Nathan, why are your forearms so ripped? <laughs> I've been puppeting all week. <laughs> Just this one. It wasn't this one. <laughs> I want to see that. Bro. I do too. After I'll, this, I'll get you a puppet. We'll make it happen. And somehow I want to participate in this as well. As the dove. <laughs> as the dove. Well, what you would do to do a dove, what you would do is you would take like a, the dove would be here. You'd have like a stick basically. Oh. And so the dove, you would probably fly over. <laughs> fly over. Yeah. Or if it's like a dove, you wouldn't have a dove at all. You would, <laughs> you would, just, you would say it was like this. Now just well, imagine a dove. That doesn't work very well on puppetry, though. You <laughs> imagine just cards, imagine dove. Just a, yeah, like a card that says imagine dove. Imagine there is a dove here. <laughs> oh man. Oh gosh. I'm with you on that iconography, though. <clears throat> All right. Paragraph six. Yep. Last paragraph of today. Again, if you tuned in for the Sabbath, uh, <laughs> next time, next come time, back. yeah. Which I know some of you did too. Paragraph six. Neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now under the gospel tied unto or made more acceptable by any place in which it is performed or towards which it is directed. But God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and truth, as in private families, daily, and in secret, each one by himself, so more solemnly in the public assemblies, which are not carelessly nor willfully neglected or forsaken when God by his word or providence calls thereunto. Yeah, that's basically what we've been saying this whole time. Uh, so the worship of God is to be done uh, by families. It's to be done solemnly by you, yourself, and also a distinct uh, corporate element of these things. These things are not to be collected or forsaking the assembling of yourself. <clears throat> All forms of those are, uh, are worship in manner of parts of religious worship. Yeah, and I think um, it'd be a good point to kind of add some of what Waldron says here mm. on this particular uh, thing as well. Waldron, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to beat, man. I mean, I, I, know, love, I, mean, I love Waldron. I should probably just, we should just quit talking. We should just, <laughs> just read, read the book. Yeah. Just read what Waldron says. Before you, I had his uh, Symbolics class at uh, Covenant Baptist. Did you? Fantastic. Wow. Fantastic class. 
Yeah, Waldron's a good... I mean, he's a very intelligent man. He is. Like, he's great. He really is. Fantastic. It's incredible. Um, but he says this here. He says, um, let's see. <clears throat> the connection of worship with a physical structure and ge- geographical location was typical and ceremonial, and thus was abolished in Christ. Uh, he cites there John 4, 21-23, 1 Timothy 2, 8, and Malachi 1, 11. Worship must not be tied to nor sanctity be attributed to any particular locations or structures in the New Testament period. The historical rationale for this paragraph was Rome's attributing special sanctity to certain structures and places. Examples would be the cathedrals in Jerusalem or Rome. Right. So that's what we're going back to start with, the chapter, the further communication. So the abolishment of the type, as Waldron says there, in the fulfillment of it. So in the gospel, that temple, which is illustrative in the Old Testament, is now Christ himself. And by retro, and, and by also his indwelling of you, you become the temple of God. And both of those things are true. But and also in the gathered form, that is in fact a different temple as well. Both all three of those things are held out. But it's not ever tied to a specific location, or to say because of this architecture and its nicety that it's. And this is a very big Puritan point for sure. Did you say a Pacific location? <laughs> specific. <laughs> if it's in the ocean. <laughs> specific location. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's important. I think uh, family worship is a big one that we yes. have completely lost. Well, most people don't even uh, know what that is. So, agreed. Yeah. I, and again, I think my tendency is the wrong one to be like formal, like set of children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me read to you from the scroll of Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it has to be. In fact, yeah. I would argue that it probably shouldn't be that. <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Family worship. Sit now, children. <laughs> Sit now, children. Especially at, especially at I, Isaiah and oh, yeah. <laughs> Titus. Is a, yeah, yeah. I've got a four and a two-year-old. So yeah. Titus is just playing with the Mario. Yeah. So, uh, so fam- I'm sorry, Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so family worship should. So what you want to do to yourself here? So worship in yourself. So your daily devotion and also family devotions is you take the corporate things held out. So the elements in which we just described in point five there then you recreate those inside the home not baptism right so those things in which that are communicable to your family so not preaching that you can't preach that that's that's a unique gifting and a you calling for elders so that's not the same thing not say that you can't teach but you cannot preach the word you cannot administer the sacraments you cannot do those things what you can do is you can read you can pray and you can sing right Mm -hmm. those things should be done yeah and it's also important to remember there there doesn't necessarily have to be like this rigid formalization right. per se. I mean, we could take the example of Deuteronomy, you know, specifically the commandments that were given to the people of Israel, which is, yep. and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your Shema. soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Yep. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. When you rise, and you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it's you shall A-board. write them on A-board. the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, yeah. I mean, you know, that's so, I think that's a good endorsement of that, uh, you know, that, uh, For sure. that uh, Bible verse doormat you have there. For all you women that want to put those pictures in, that's fine. You know, yeah. For, I mean, you know, long as, that, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. All that stuff. I got one of those, I think. I did too, actually. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? I didn't buy it, of course, but I, yeah. <laughs> I got it. So, uh, 
The last section. So more solemnly in the public assemblies, which are not carefully nor willfully to be neglected or forsaken. So um, the, the corporate gathering is why the church exists. So let's just say it that way. It's not for individual salvation. It's for corporate worship and gathering. That's what you are to do in, in heaven. That is the eternal reality, the, the myriads of myriads, the nation of nations descended before the throne, all these things, giving praise. So it's that corporate element that, that is definitive for the Christian church. It's also not the forsaken in individuality, but that's so you should look as the Lord's day is the accumulation of your week. Like that's why we're existing. We're wish, we're existing to hear from God, to pray to God, for him to renew his covenant with us weekly, for him to do these things and for him to fulfill these things. Like that is so that should be the pinnacle of your week. Let me say it that way. It shouldn't be an add-on or, or something in which that you're going to decide to go to Saturday or something like that. It should be the complete devotion of your life, really. I'll say it that way. Yeah. They cite, of course, Hebrews 10, 25, neglecting, uh, nor not, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near as far as corporate worship, a distinctive thing. Yes. Acts two forty two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Um, corporately, it would seem. <laughs> yeah. So, again, yeah. I, I'm currently enthralled in a Sabbath controversy with a good friend of mine. Hopefully, he would say the same. And um, That's not me, right? No, I hope not. Yeah. Um, you're a Saturday Sabbatarian? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So, no. his big thing, and I understand, um, I hope to be fair to articulate his big thing, but his big thing is, it's nowhere negated. And, and this is a classic, uh, I think, in his case, right-intentioned um, argument. But the classic um, struggle with any type of cult understanding of carryover from the Old Testament, I'll say it like that, is it doesn't have to be d- directly stated or negated in the way that cults want to make you think it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to say it. So, like, when the, the Seventh-day Adventist comes to you and says, um, here's the rationale. Uh, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. And he said, love the Lord, God, the Lord, my strength, love your neighbor as yourself. He held up the ten. So, in the, in the ten is the fourth. And... We keep the fourth. <laughs> and somehow, that means Saturday. Um, now, the, the, the somehow, the reason that means Saturday is because of extra-biblical revelation from Ellen White. However, <laughs> however, the, if you want to be a strict biblical argumentation, the argument is, it's nowhere negated. And I would argue, yes, it is. By the resurrection. It's, it's negated by the resurrection. <laughs> textually, it's negated in Colossians 2. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Romans 14, 6. It's, it's actually textually negated. Some men hold one day, some hold another. You should be fully convinced in your own mind. Ergo, it doesn't matter. That's number one. Number two, Colossians 2 says, No Sabbath. Let no man hold you captive to insert asceticism, worship, all that. A, a new moon, a festival, a Sabbath. It's not. Um, it's the nullification of the covenant. It's the nullification of the Mosaic understanding of yeah. Sabbath. Uh-huh. Period. Right. Um, which was a hot topic in the first century. The rationale <laughs> can be also given that you know Christ Himself identifies Himself as Lord of the Sabbath, therefore mm. you know mastery over it, control. I yeah. mean, thus His His disciples can go on the Sabbath, and this would have mm. been a Saturday, and and pluck grains. Yeah, yeah, so if the Lord himself said, you can do it, that's what he's going for there. You're going to tell me they can't do this? He actually goes as far as to say something greater than the Sabbath is here. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that principle is my 
hopefully my argumentation like the Sabbath was a type of shadow the great fulfillment has come yeah so. no, it's, a, it's a shadow of the rest that is that is Christ agreed Christ is our is our new rest mm-hmm. yeah. agreed in so, that element yeah yeah we'll get yeah. into that next week in the ultimate element but anyway my point was um, what was it um <laughs> What in the world? Oh, what is uh, it? Oh, 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 yeah. So the the necessity of seeing the word Trinity, for example, is a great a great example, and, and it's the same rationale. It's like it's not it's not directly said something like I would state to someone like to be a Christian is together corporately. It's required by the New Testament. They would say, "Well, I don't see that anywhere." Well, yeah, you do. The problem <laughs> is, it's it, what you're looking for. It's it's a crazy yeah. criterion that you've inserted uh-huh. to say yeah. it has to say it this way. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's something, anything that can't be necessarily contained in it. So yeah. unless it says it verbatim, then that's the only thing you're bound to. Like that's, that in no way would treat any sort of teaching correctly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, that's like saying, well, the Constitution doesn't say that I can't drive this Abram Tanks into the White House. But so can I do that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that should be fine. Like it doesn't say that anywhere. It, yeah, yeah. You know, so the law nowhere says that I can't, you know, technically kill somebody robotically or something. I use whatever else you want to put in there. Like, so, I mean, can I do that? And that's just not being intellectually honest with any sort of source or anything in which you're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Corporate gathering. It's important. Yeah. So, under the gospel is not tied to any location. Uh, spirit and truth, so it is to be substantively by knowledge, right? And that's what we went through. Mm. Daily in families and secret of yourself, so daily devotion. And if you don't do family worship, you should. Uh, if you're like me, you should you should be more consistent in that. Uh, of something we all can grow in for sure. Yeah. But if you don't do that, start doing that, hundred percent daily, as as you as, as often as you can. Yeah. yeah. So practically, it's t- it's very very challenging. Uh, I think it, it. My hope and prayer is that it gets easier uh, over time. <laughs> but <laughs> what I've done, to, I mean, practically, is just sing a hymn, read a passage, and pray. That's um, what you do. Yeah. yeah, that takes a short amount of time. Hopefully, you know, I don't think that would be sufficient for a 13-year-old person. No, no, no. Right. No, no. It's, it's, it's somewhat subjective and, and based on... So, so often with children, especially of, of our age, the children that I have and you have, it's really development of habit is what you're going for. Yeah. It's to say, hey, it's 6 o'clock. Like, we go and we do this now. So, and then as, as progressive as the Lord gives light, they, they have more understanding of those things. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, yeah. So do that. If you don't know what that is, get a good book, listen to the Modern Reformer, and then go do daily worship <laughs> in family and privately. Yes. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. That's right. I think you should see it as your obligation as a father to do that for your family. I had never heard of that. Typifying priesthood is what it is. Oh, for sure. You're taking uh, the corporate gathering. You're, it's preparatory for that weekly, and you're doing that. Uh, you're communicating that in your home as you are the head of that. As a man, you should be doing those things, not merely your wife. You should be doing those things. Hmm. I could, we could, we definitely do an episode on family worship. That'd be great. You can go ahead and start that one. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I never knew. I never even heard of that. But until I started reading the Puritans, I mean, a good start would just be being more involved with your kids mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, start small because, yeah. yeah, too many. I think there is such a, a habit that you see that a lot of men just kind of. Yeah. Pass that off to their wives and say that yeah, they're passive in it. Yeah, are very passive in religion entirely, and, and they it, don't really. Yeah, and so often if you have children, you just run to and fro so they can play sports, and you're never ever home. You just you prioritize their their pleasures in a lot of ways. It's just but just whatever it may be, 
and you just run to and fro, and you don't even have time to do family worship, and it's not a priority. And I'm speaking to myself a lot in those things, but you know that that's obviously something that's very corporately abundantly clear that a lot of people do are you on travel ball yet no no okay. no no, no. You, you're gonna do that no no absolutely that? not no you're probably smarter <laughs> no no uh-uh. no no travel ball there mm. for sure i just i don't i have to say for the people that have that i've known that do that that becomes basically like their. that's their all life. you do so anything in which it says it prevents me from gathering weekly and it's like a, a pleasure activity don't do it like we have to go to charlotte for this this tournament this weekend like no you don't no no, you don't. You do not have to do that. You have to corporately gather. Like, that's required of you to do. Controversy. Yeah, and that stings I agree, though. I agree. That stings That's because it costs you something, and nobody's ever told you that. But that, that needs to be said. So, mm. anyway. Rock on. <laughs> no doves and no travel. <laughs> yeah, this one should... This was a spicy meatball for you, so... However... Puppeteering, though. Think about it. It's a good activity. Get into the arts, Nathan. Hey, we, we know a guy. <laughs> Nathan, he's opening up a school of puppeteering. So I've got to see you do that. Though. I would like to see an action. I myself. think I think I may have some videos. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't. Wanna, I want to see the live thing, man. I think that'd I be know great I did. For... I know I did. So I'll I'll share this real real quick in passing. I, I did do. You do, are you familiar with the Lifehouse skit? Maybe. Uh, it's uh, this. The, it, it takes a song from Lifehouse. It's this band. It's like a quasi Christian. Yes. Band. I'm very familiar with. And what was, what was what's the name of the song? It's uh, everything by Lifehouse. And so basically, the whole idea, the premise of the the skit, is that like, uh, it's starts out with two people. It's basically like typically Jesus and usually another person that represents like creation usually a woman typically uh, i don't so you could already tell this is going the wrong direction but you know we're, we're just gonna we're, we're, we're just gonna keep it that way so it's uh so jesus creates the woman and so they're basically like you're you're doing some signs to kind of indicate that and then you know once that happens you know jesus and the woman kind of like dancing and then like basically all these people start taking her away and they represent like you know the world the world and drugs and you know all these different things and then you know jesus you know finally breaks in at the end and just yell and basically <laughs> saves her yeah, compatible and, with her will of course you know <laughs> well my favorite part of it is you know the part where where jesus is like holding back all these people and, and you have to have this like this moment of like struggle and then jesus just reaches up and just mm. tosses them away and they all fall so i was jesus actually in that uh, in that in that in that oh, skit. Yeah, so okay. yeah. i really hate if someone happens to tune in at that exact moment i was jesus <laughs> uh oh you can't sound about that okay we've yeah. got the original audio no clips no clips <laughs> Raw and unfiltered. <laughs> Man, that's 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 intense. It's called a second commandment violation. I would never do that again. Now. No, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, we've all come from a long way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of yeah, yeah. Okay. I would still argue that that's not as bad as what I did. The sermons I've preached over over the course of my life. So, I think you're okay. Yeah. I, I probably violated all ten. <laughs> what? You stole from somebody? <laughs> you murdered? You murdered? Spiritual idolatry. You hated, you hated your brother? Solid idolatry. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Exalting ah. humanity. Seven and eight next week. Seven and eight. The Sabbath. Um, we actually believe we do keep the Sabbath. For all you Seventh-day oh. Adventists out there. 
Oh, for sure. Oh, man. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for this seven-day Adventum class of yours to come to fruition. Uh, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. It's, it's going down. You want to come? It'd be great if you come. I might, I might come. It'd be great. Uh, so, yeah. I've been putting that one off. That's um, going to be a good one. I, I feel I feel, I feel, feel the energy now for this one. In the words of Kesha, it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> no way she's still alive. She is, man. <laughs> she's still out there. Okay. Still doing her thing. I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> Being sticky. <laughs> you look at you look sticky. Jeez. That's a little too far. <laughs> I'm just saying. Next week, the Sabbath, come and hear what we think about Lord's Day worship and how that doesn't violate the original creation Sabbath given in the garden. And how the Saturday Sabbath... Come back a- next week. Come back next week. <laughs> Saturday Sabbath has been abolished <laughs> under the new covenant along with other ceremonial typological priesthood things. Ha, ha, ha.